This is the Mission Control Podcast. Hello, what is up everyone? Episode number 46 of Mission Control. I have James Scher here with me in the podcast, fresh off Japan, right? Ooh. Yeah? I think so. Yeah? Hi, Dale. That, that, was, like, <laughs> that was like three, two, three weeks ago. Oh, The maybe, Japan tour? Um, yes. Uh, mm. No, no, no. A few, we landed sort of yes no i stayed along longer than the guy so i'm still confused oh right okay and a little bit uh airy fairy in my head at the moment (laughs) we're good so you went earlier and you came back later is that right oh we went at the same time but i just stayed on for a week because i didn't have to get back yeah (laughs) and i didn't have to get back to a day job uh Mm. so to speak so i thought why not have an extra week there to Mm. ride around kyoto so everyone came back for for work commitments and stuff, obviously, and you kind of oh, stayed yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. But their bank accounts are happier now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did you did three dates in Japan. Yes, so you it was did. a very small tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Kyoto, Tokyo, and Osaka—the three main ones. No yep. Hiroshima or anything. Right. But that would have been good. Mm. Yeah. Were you concerned about the, the, the whole radiation thing at all? Because uh, people just... That's just the, the one thing that they drop when you mention Japan is... Yeah. Have you heard about the radiation and the fish? And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, hear no evil, see no evil. Right. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Um, but just, you can't worry about that because everyone's still living there. And mm. if you're meant to get radiated, you will. But <laughs> it, it's, it's, Tokyo is quite south of the Fukushima yep. type area. So right. It's okay. Yeah. I always read these, like, fringe articles, like, Ugh. you know, it, it's, it's way worse than it is, and it's, it's in the water, and it's through the Pacific, and it's all... Yeah. I, I don't know what to, to believe. I, I would not be surprised if that was true, on, on the other hand, as well. Yeah. Like, I just don't know what to believe anymore with yeah. any of that stuff. <laughs> I but know. It was such a magically great place, and everyone um, in Japan is so, I don't know, starry-eyed about great stuff and polite and open to new mm. things and they're very progressive and yeah they they yeah they they're not afraid to be a bit weird not um, at all that's what i found about japanese yeah um and there's always like a, a they're very committed as well to mm. stuff that's new and they, yes. they they follow it passionately you know yeah which is really cool um and they're open to us sort of coming along and mm. um, yeah. i mean the shows were like small and tight and the venues were um, like stinky of cigarettes because you can still smoke there and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so like up between each song, I was like, kind <laughs> <laughs> of taste it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, even if it wasn't a crazy mosh pit, um, which our music isn't really like for anyway, but um, if they were just sort of like nodding their heads afterwards, they would be like, "Oh, so cool" and stuff, and then would talk about their bands and yeah. as the conversation would go as far as it could in because there's a lot of them them jesus sorry <laughs> a lot um, of those people yeah, th- those people in japan um, are really good at english compared to our nihongo or japanese yeah uh, right language knowledge yep and so whenever you compliment them on like oh you're so good at english because you're able to talk about 
X, Y, and Z. They're mm-hmm. like, oh no, very humble. Yeah. Um, and all the musicians were so tight. Yeah. And wicked. Nice. So yeah. o- obviously the the band is that we're talking about is Sugar Sugarami. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, have you ever toured with Sugarami abroad before? No. So that was the first, the first overseas yeah. tour that you did, and it was about time as well. Yeah. Um, and we sort of organised it ourselves, um, but through the help of Steve Hughes from Injured Ninja and Usurper, because they've played there before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just sent off some emails and off we went. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. And y- Usurper's, um, Usurper of Modern Medicine, they've been over to Japan before. Maybe twice. Twice. Sure. And I, th- I heard some crazy story that they were literally on some TV show. Oh, Is that true? Yeah, I think I saw it. They were on Steve some TV show and then through... Wait, were, were, they weren't touring... Were they touring at the time? I think they went over there. Maybe. Not, I think I remember seeing Steve dressed up in some funny thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious because yeah. I remember seeing that on YouTube and it was like a Japanese, almost like a, a game trivia sort of show. Yeah, a bit and like then, that Lost in Translation scene yeah. where he's like, Beryl Murray, or whatever the character's name <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So he, he kind of helped book the yeah. the, the dates. Because he stuff. had um, friends. And some of those guys, um, a chap called Go Tsushima, um, had come over a few years before to play in Perth and over East as well. And... A band called Sari. They played here recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's like a bit of a connection of right. multiplicity. There's a network <laughs> yeah. kind of starting out. Network's the word. Yeah. <laughs> networking. Yeah. Network, yeah. KPIs and networking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really cool because if, if there was a place that I was to tour overseas, Japan would be definitely... Yeah, in the top five places. Yeah, it can, simply because, like I was saying before, the the commitment, mm. the fact that my band, um, fate, we're, we're a little left to center as well. We're we're not just yeah. straight, and you know. you're tight as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, definitely. So small venues. The venues were like not like yeah. fifty to a hundred cap. Sort of small, yeah, about that. And mm-hmm. the, but the PA's were like mega high tech. Yeah, as in. Like, just really good left and rights, and, oh, I can hear my kick drum, <laughs> mm. but it's so small. Yeah. Sort of like a, what the Heidi, Hyde Park Hotel used to be kind of thing. Right. Um, and it's interesting, a few of the places, like in Kyoto and Osaka, had their bars separate to the band room. Ah, okay. Um, so it was kind of cool. You would go downstairs and get your drinks and then walk up when the band plays. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good idea to separate that because No beer gardens Yeah <laughs> Not enough space Well, one, like, people can escape the music And kind of not even pay attention And just mm. keep drinking Or just and fully get into it Yeah, and like you as well Like, um, you don't have crowds of people ordering drinks While, you know, the band's playing yeah. Taking up space and stuff like that totally. So you're only in that room to see the band Yeah Which is really cool Mm. mm. So what are these high-tech toilets that you guys... Oh, yeah. They were all, like, fully automatic. I'm not surprised that the the PA system was amazing and and advanced, as well as the toilets. And the PA could wash your bum as well. No, (laughs) um, the the toilets... It takes a while to find out the flush button. Um, Right. But it's a novelty. And the seats are warmed because it's so cold there. Right. Some seats... uh, It's such a pleasure sitting on a warm toilet seat. Yeah. 
Especially like, when it's freezing it's a small, outside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, the toilets, are, there's a lot of little specific things that are different to Australia, obviously, mm. that are kind of cute, a bit functional. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would have looked like something from the future, like yeah. on a spacecraft or something. But then you get used to it and you're like, oh, it's in Japan. It's, yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Order a coffee while you're sitting down yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> so how, the 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 people that that saw you were they receptive to? Yeah, good. Yeah, some of them looked like they weren't receptive, but afterwards they were like, "That mm. was the coolest kind yep. of thing." Why do I keep putting that accent on? <laughs> I shouldn't. But um, yeah, they were very well receptive, and we hung around and watched um, all those uh, the other bands, mm-hmm. and there was such a range like. Uh, some hard rock motorhead kind of stuff that was super tight and blah 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 and then s- strange minimal synthy kind of things mm-hmm. as well which yep. was wicked yeah um and then quite nice indie jangly stuff as well cool um so it was a big variety um and yeah yeah i mean I, i'd love to tour there i think that's where bands should go more often mm. Mm. i think i think it's a really uh, well most of southeast asia and asia in general, oh, yeah, I think it's I reckon, a massive untapped market. Totally. Even Singapore or, yeah. like, the Philippines, places like that, they actually love music out there. And, and yeah, they're just coming round. They're probably... Yeah, it has been just, suppressed yes, for a little bit. And that's maybe why it's... They're a bit behind. Be, and yeah. that's probably why they're so passionate. Yeah, yeah. yeah because, I mean, like, I was speaking to... Uh, Drew from Carnival the other day, mm-hmm. and they, he'd just come back from India, and he actually... The Carnival guys met up with Pat and Todd on their way home in KL Airport, which is a funny kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, they just come from India, obviously playing bigger shows because they're large and in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they were saying the same kind of thing as... It's, without thinking commercially, it's like an untapped market in that mm. when you go over and play, um, it's like they he- haven't heard a rock show and it's mm. like, blows their mind. Mm. But, um, well, Japanese is more sort of advanced, maybe, in that realm than India, mm. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. very cool, though, to travel and take your music outside of Australia, because mm. never done it with Sugar Army before. Yeah. And it's yeah. about bloody time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're way more, uh, I, I'd imagine they'd be way more appreciative of, of seeing a live show there. Just because yeah. it's not not a normal occurrence there, but it's starting to be. Yes, it's starting to be, which is really cool. Maybe we're talking. Well, Japanese Japan has got like tons of stuff, but yeah, in like India, the China and India. India and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sad that you know that the whole the the, the government kind of supports that oppression mm. in a way as well, especially when you go to places like Indonesia. Well, have you ever played? In, no, in no, those? no, no, no. But like in places like Indonesia, like they. Line you up and cut your hair and stuff because it's kind of religious as well. Yeah. And so yeah, it's just sad that certain areas don't get access to music like we do. You True. know, I wonder if their internet's any different. Um, Definitely, content. Yeah. Well, China's would be, but is India's internet content different? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's a filters? good question. That's a good question. Um, but definitely in places like Southeast Asia, where it's mm. you know quite quite Muslim orientated uh. they definitely do censor um, a lot of the porn sites don't ask me how I know that they censor oh, yeah. the porn sites <laughs> in Southeast Asia <laughs> because I wasn't yeah <laughs> but um, they, they do they do maybe it's just the sites that I look at maybe maybe <laughs> I just look at 
I, I like really fucked up shit. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. But you guys have been around for so. Uh, you play in two <laughs> bands, right? You play in Injured Ninja. No, no, no. Uh, oh, well, Ninja stuff is um, just sort of joined playing as second a, a drummer. Second drummer underneath yeah. Matthew Bairstow, yeah, um, so, who keeps the time, and I just sort of. So that's a new thing that you kind of just hopped on board yeah, for, for the live stuff. And, and we're seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. And we did write one sort of longish track and it kind of worked really well because you kind of got to write new music with the mindset of or in the situation of two drummers rather than applying older songs because there were parts where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but Ninja's like, I just jumped on board and it's that's super fun and... Otherwise, Sugar is the main one, and then French Rockets is the other main one. Mm-hmm. Just because I joined a bit later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're not on drums on with French Rockets, no, right? No, it's bass, guitar. bass, right? Mm. Cool. So, have you always been multi instrumental? Oh. Well, I kind of learnt guitar in school, and then bass, I think, mm-hmm. and then drumming was just too cool. As yep. you know, you sort of I didn't have lessons or anything. Did you have lessons? I had lessons for quite a while, yeah. Cool. I had lessons for about, I'd say, five, six years awesome. accumulatively. Yeah. yeah. Um, On and off for a while. Yeah, because I just mm. sort of taught myself. It took me a while to realize when I was 14 years old or 13 mm. listening to Metallica's Black Album that a kick drum and a snare drum wasn't with an arm, two arms. There was an actual... A foot yeah, pedal. Your foot yeah. did some <laughs> of it. <laughs> um but yeah, like bass and drums and a bit of guitar, but I don't... Guitars just floats on the top for me. Yeah, it yeah. It doesn't have the balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's I I don't know... It does have the balls, actually, if you do it It does, well. it does have. <laughs> Todd has the balls with it, with his strange ideas about tone. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, do you think it's an advantage not having learnt like had a foundation in in formal teaching because i i can always tell like after the fact if i if i learn that someone hasn't been formally trained i'm like you know i can kind of pick that now have you you haven't seen me i played you i've seen you peeps yeah i've seen you in injured ninja and in sugar army cool did it look like i have lessons or not be honest be honest it (laughs) i think people have i think you pay a bit more attention to the performance side me or you, you personally, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that that is sometimes lost or squeezed out of certain people that learn formally. Yeah, is that they don't? They kind of just the, get up and they play, and they play perfectly, and they play great. And they got the chops, and they got the chops, <laughs> and the, the technical stuff, mm. and they're perfect. But you don't remember them uh, after. Yeah, and I know that sounds harsh, and I'm generalizing, but I find that the people that have equal parts informal training mm. like just alone or no training at all yeah. tend to be a bit more focused on the performance aspect which I yeah. personally gravitate towards because the influence was mm. always watching and like watching. practicing I mean yeah. like the non-formal training gave me a lot of blisters and so much money spent on broken sticks years after years mm-hmm. so maybe if I knew that my snare drum should be raised a little bit. I wouldn't break so much mm. or something. But or just how not to lean into your shots so much yeah, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I might sit too high, but that's yeah. all drumming talk. I still think, yeah, it's about the performance and, I mean... It's a balance. Yeah. yeah. And But you can't learn things like um, when not to play. Mm. You, that The sort of space between the notes is 
just mm-hmm. an acquired thing of experience and I'm not saying I'm good at it yet or yeah. something but <laughs> yeah that you can't really train for that yeah yeah you can't um, and that's right and I think that's something that you gradually learn through just working with different people yeah and just you're not just learning musically where to stand but even socially and totally and how to compromise and how, how, how to know and like you said like space is equally important yeah and I think a lot of drummers play for themselves a bit oh I did that for so many years and I, I did that as well for at least four or five years until I realized that you don't have to be at the forefront of yes. everything you can th- <laughs> there can be a whole bridge and no drums you and know? the realization comes from like a lot of the people um, sensible <laughs> bandmates going like you're being a dick yeah <laughs> or, like you don't need that like actually what I find maybe still I find a bit hard but I found it much harder earlier on is if I've got like a really cool beat in my head and then I'm sort of playing it and it kind of staggers or jumps because my mind kind of like that's cool in my head and I feel it but how can a singer do anything with that and mm. I still kind of argue like oh I want the snare off Pat damn it he's like I just can't it distracts me mm. from the melody and stuff and it finally I think it, you guys are teaching me well but yeah just to just chill out yeah, it and use the subtlety of some. Yeah, less less is more to be cliche. And yeah, yeah. but yeah. you see, like you know that intellectually, less is more. I've known that for years, but mm. to put that into like an actual practice is like, it's, oh it's yeah, right. I love meditation, but I don't meditate. Yeah. I listen to talks about meditation, <laughs> spirituality, but yeah. how often do I sit and get all my yeah exactly buzz going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Working <laughs> your smoking chakras. S- yeah. I'm just smoking weed and pretending that, like I'm meditating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but, I mean, the love, the love's still there and everything, but there's yeah. a definite difference between... Well, you, you agree with the concept of that, but you don't actually employ that in practice. Mm. And I think that's a... Yeah, talking about, you know, conceptually, like, yeah, it'll be good to do this and that, but the real test is in the studio, in the jam room. Yeah, do you do it? Do just, you do it? Do you actually yeah. follow that? Do you actually apply yeah. yourself that way? Um, so, yeah, it's that definite thing of, oh, yeah, less is more. Let's be minimal. I, I want to just really do the right thing for the song. And then it comes to the practice room and the writing phase, and mm-hmm. then you find that you're having arguments about the fact that you want this fill there and it to be like that. I mean, that's a stupid detail. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't happen often um as much anymore but like it's just so funny how that yeah. works because yeah, you yeah. know that you're being a dick yeah 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 <laughs> i've actually gone so far the other way now that <laughs> you don't even show up to practice <laughs> 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 that other people i get this feeling like other people in the band are like are you getting bored like, because you just, you're, you're holding minimal, down. Actually. I'm extremely minimal. Yeah. It's like, like I'll just hit a, four, a floor tom on every four, and that mm. would be a whole verse. Actually, I remember watching you mm. play, um, and yeah, you seemed quite um, structuredly square mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah. But when you hit it, you hit it. And yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> there wasn't like tinkery yeah. little biggity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an on and off switch. I'm either in in it or I'm out of it, and it's it's really cool. I mean, um, I, I definitely want to talk about your drum, your actual drum setup. 
oh. as well. Are we going to nerd out a bit? <laughs> a little bit. I've I've been a little bit notorious amongst sound people for sound engineers for not really knowing my gear. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's like one area that I'm very... I'll be honest, I'm quite lazy with... You mean like gear, tune, tuning skins? Tuning, and... like uh, brand choice and stuff. Like I've oh. always just rolled with whatever Same. I have. And if it's falling apart, like I learned to kind of love that about the drum, that it's kind of old same, and it's kind of clunky. I've never owned a kit before. I still don't own a kit. I have a kick wow. drum. I have a floor tom. I have a snare. I have some stands and some cymbals all accumulated. When one thing dies, it gets buried and the next thing comes wow. along. But... It's. I never went out and bought. Oh, there's a Yamaha Custom Oak. Yeah. Birch or Oak or a blah, five blah, blah. piece. Or yeah, whatever. five piece. You can buy the whole piece. five piece. Yeah. Symbol yeah. pack or anything. It's just yeah. like I feel like a 24 inch ride now. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. eBay. Cool. That's a really cool. That's a really really cool approach to drums. Why haven't I heard that before? But yeah, um, just kind of piecing together. I literally never owned a things. kit. I I just accumulate bits mm. that's really cool and <laughs> that's really cool um so there's definitely a rototom in there somewhere there right? was the and i oh that was that was so cool i felt like that made me like look <laughs> yeah even though it's you know for drummers i mean how often do you see a rototom but i saw the my disco guy have it and i was absolutely blown away by my disco when they came years ago have you heard of those guys my Disco? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They played at the Rosemount, didn't they? Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. when, but like on the first kind of tours, he had a Roto yeah. Tom and I was like, what? And he played super like minimal and it blew me away, but no Roto Tom. Ad- adds that little, Yeah, I don't know what it is. The Roto Tom's replaced just when I, when I practice, it's just like a 10 inch Tom, but for live with Sugar Army stuff. So, like, in Japan, I just took the sampler and had that in the place of... Okay. Like, an SPDS SPDS, yep. And so, it's kind of cool to trigger some sounds, but that takes ages to actually work in sounds. I don't trigger, like, Tom hits or anything that sounds dicky. Yep. Um, But, like, sounds that aid the song Mm -hmm. that has been in the recording. Yep. They Um, spice up the song a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think there's no substitute for hitting a real... No, no. Ro- obviously, yeah. No. But th- that is one of the advantages of that SPD unit is that yeah. you can take whatever sound you want with you. Yeah. Even stuff that's not percussional. Well, that's what mostly it is, is like sort of um, pads Layers or like... Like a Memetron that was recorded that kind of spiked out in one point of the song just really works well with the guitar but yep. it sits in the background of the mix kind of yep. thing but we never use it as a basis of like no something and I, also like I don't really like the idea of having a backing track it works for French Rockets completely because it's like a wall a wall of sound yeah you're not like relying on it for hooks and all that stuff no that's that's when it gets a bit hairy yeah yeah but um, but Sugar Army stuff is just small little synth pads but mm-hmm. I'll we'll get more creative with it it's just another way to express yeah one's yeah mind. definitely <laughs> I'm just afraid that that because I've got a SPD as well mm. and I'm just afraid one day that it'll die 
<laughs> that's like my worst fear. Or like the the flashcard will corrupt or something, and I'll have to order one from eBay. Yeah, because I don't sell those anymore. Those old flashcards, five hundred and twelve megabytes. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the old one? I've got two fifty six, like even older. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> if you keep it for years, it'll be like a collector's item, like baseball cards. Yeah, yeah. They'll be yeah. like, or like that- a zip drive. Oh my god! <laughs> I think the new SPD uses a actual USB. It, it is good. Now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, have but you got I've the old one or the new one? Old one. Yeah. I have, like, you know, the uh, problems in this set is I have hit something, like, slightly out of time and my click track. Because I like playing to a click track because it keeps me under control. Otherwise, it's so funny the argument of click track or no click track. And for me, it provides, like, that underlying sort of transparent grid that I can move in and around. Um, but it keeps me stable mm. and doesn't... There's a structure to to the set. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I like things that keep in time so people can move mm. and it doesn't sp- speed up or slow down because mm-hmm. the music is pretty structured like that. It's not um, yep. free. It's, it's, it's free and organic in terms of the elements floating on top of each other and what guitars can do and, and stuff, but like as a drummer, I like to keep on it and yeah. See, that's very, that's very hard but for someone that's had no formal training. I think playing to a click is something that I've seen a lot of drummers really struggle with. Uh, yeah. Like, like even me. Cause you struggle I, a bit. I, I, struggled, I struggle live a little bit if we're relying on like, yeah. like really timed backing tracks. Yeah. Um, just because when the adrenaline's pumping, you tend to play like 2-3 BPM faster. Yeah. Um, and stuff that you swear was too slow was actually too fast and stuff like that. Because, yeah. you know, a- adrenaline and stuff changes everything when you're on stage. It can make or break you, I yeah. think. And for me, it broke me, like, in the really early stages. Yeah. I was speeding up all the time. <laughs> I was, like, rushing my feels. I did the same thing. I- yeah, yeah. Totally. And it's like, um, you just don't know how to look at the song just take a step back and look at the whole song. Yeah, you kind of you're kind of bumbling your way through it, like uh, and kind of that's rushing. And actually, you just put my <laughs> realizationy thingy on. But it seems like if you've got the maybe the argument for from my perspective, having the click track is that you're playing for the song because the song knows what speed it wants to be and what mm-hmm. it is best at, and you can decide that mm. if it feels too fast or too slow, you can adjust it. But then when you've got the click track, you're playing for the song. Yeah. Rather than, but then I could be shut down and completely the other way. As well. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just a taste thing. Do you like Shiraz or Pinot? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all about taste. Did you start out with a click really early, or was it something that you brought on board kind of later? Only on the first like EP recording mm-hmm. or something with Parker, like years and years ago. Yep. And I was put into it, or maybe it was a demo with Andy Lawson ages ago. Yeah. And it freaked me out. Um, it really exposes your playing. It does, a, a yeah. click, especially in the studio format. Yeah, you you really feel a bit naked when yeah, you know things are flaming here and there, or you, exactly. your snare's a bit out because there's you can zoom in so yeah, far. and you can really see in context how you're playing lies with a machine. Yes, you know what I mean, and how out you might be. But I think it's good because you have to have your pride shattered a bit because yeah. that's how you get better right totally mm. um 
but then like you know when you're recording and even if they sort of grid it to the thing a little bit um it it still contains that sort of energy and vibe the that energy, you had yeah. during playing yeah. like I don't mind recording in a way where if there's a certain beat for a verse you just loop play it and and when you're feeling like the best you go oh it was that bar there that felt the best and you loop that mm-hmm. and if it sounds there's nothing wrong with cheating I mean everyone mm. cheats Photoshop whatever mm. you know well studio is basically cheating anyway yeah kind otherwise of. you unless should... you're recording live with like yeah actually French Rockers did that which was really cool mm. um, recently with they probably talked about it as well <laughs> yeah. on your um, yeah. previous one. But, yeah, that was all live and kind of... But, again, there was a backing track, so we yeah. were all in time to a backing track. But that was an exciting, different way of recording instead yeah. of all separate layers. Yeah, yeah. You can do anything. You can just whatever. Yeah. Let your mind run and see what happens. Yeah. I'd just love to... I'd love to have the money to, like, just be in the studio for, like, three months. Oh, yeah. You know? Or something like that, and actually craft the songs in the studio because totally. I think money's like a big constraint, obviously for bands. Yeah. So you've got to go in there knowing the song ninety five percent at mm. least. You could, Otherwise, you're wasting time, pretty much. Actually, yeah. Um, with the Sugar Army new album that will probably drop mid to late this year. Yep. So you finished recording that the third album, right? No, we're no? still like we've recorded about sixty five percent of it, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Um, but the process for that was that we would, we we took a while to work out what we're actually doing and, and how to. Mm-hmm. But the general vibe was that you we would demo it to the best we can and sort of um, import. Like I was actually programming drums. I didn't play much drums live okay. in this. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole new thing as well. Um, and yeah, we would make the beats and then bring it in literally and then bits of the demo and Todd would do guitars just through an apogee thing mm. and if you had a vibe like the riff was cool and it was crunchy that you can't get from all the most amazing compressors and decessors and ding dongs yeah. and ching thingies <laughs> yeah um, yeah we just chuck the track in and then yeah. it kind of works nice so man each album is completely different in terms of how we do and how it is approached. Right. Which is kind of refreshing. So this is the first time you've properly demoed everything first? Yeah, before we sort before of... Before you actually gone into the studio. And then if like... Yeah, I mean, the best situation is that I program all the drums. I mean, I, I don't program... I mean, I get samples and do all that and then I might record some live hats and cymbals downstairs in with a shitty podcaster but it yeah. sounds kind of cool and it's yeah. all in time and I arrange, we arrange it all and then we just like import and all the drums are there and then we just put it through some well Sam Ford uh, from Abbey May yep. and all that stuff um, and Tone Studio Recording Studios mm-hmm. um, just does it all with you know tweaks it and that's the ideal kind of thing mm. but um, oh, who knows what will happen next yeah. Yeah. I still like the idea of like, a drummer and bass player playing at the same time in z- like locking in with each other and the drums and bass are recorded and then you can do other things separately yeah that's that's cool I want to do that with French Rockets next where it's like Roger and me mm. like hitting it hard um, when a song is not strange sounds of mm-hmm. when it's in a bass drum standard setup yeah 
yeah. bases. Yeah. There's nothing better than, you know, hitting the kick or snare a little bit late, <laughs> but the bass is still locked on yeah. to that lateness because then it sounds like, yeah. obviously, like a like a rhythm section. Like a swing. Exactly, yeah, and it's not so sterile. I, I find that, you know, playing bass over something that's already locked in like something that's already tracked, yeah. you kind of lose that ebb and flow that yeah. the rhythm section should have. It should be able to slow down a bit and yeah. still be together. And when you're doing it at the same time and mm. you're uh, locked in, you actually feel it in your body, which is a funny thing, mm. especially with um, jams that everyone's like connected. When you're actually playing your instrument... Um, you actually stop feeling your fingers and you actually stop thinking about yourself. You're just listening and you don't know. That's probably our version of meditation, right? Yeah. I talked uh, I talked a lot about this with uh, Scott K from, from Voyager. Yeah. And he was like, it's, Voyager. Yeah, it's, it's that Zen moment. Yes. Where you're... <laughs> no <laughs> the longer, cap was on the wine. Yeah, the cap was on the wine as you tried to pour it. Um, <laughs> but you have that moment where you're no longer consciously thinking about what you're playing and you're you, not yourself you're the observer you're yeah. watching what you're playing and you can you hear everything like it's it's all zoomed in and magnified it's and but you're not really yeah you're not thinking at all about what you're doing it's just it's just happening in front of you totally and that that happens live as well and those oh, moments the, you can, people can <laughs> i reckon people can feel that too yeah but they don't know what it is mm. they just know that it feels wicked. And it they just, just feels right. It's undeniably right. Well, then they Correct, lose themselves yeah. as well. Like, maybe the role of the musician on stage is to actually stop thinking and, like, you practice, practice, so you know it backwards, so your muscle memory's there. Mm-hmm. But then when you lose yourself, like you just said, then the rest of the people lose themselves and they go, wow, yeah, that 15 that bucks was, was amazing. That was an experience, <laughs> no, like I experienced the band, you know. Yes. You didn't just sit down and tap your foot to a catchy song. Yeah. You actually saw something happening on yeah. stage that you can't describe. A, a chemistry yeah. or like an electricity that you just don't... And sometimes it's not there, like I think... And people, um, you're in your head still when, hmm. it, when it's not there and you're watching a band. And it's really hard for musicians yeah. to like just let go and accept for what it is. Because we're always like, oh, I'd prefer to do it now. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah. Do Do you find it hard when you watch live music to not think from a musician's angle? <laughs> because I find it, I'm finding it like increasingly hard to just sit yeah. and just like enjoy something. I'm the dicky like, part of me is like, why is his tom that high? It's awkward. <laughs> it's awkward to watch. Or that that guitar is like, mm. there's too zingy or something. Yeah. Um, or but the, that's the so mix retarded. Or, it, it is. Yeah. It is. It is because you you. Yeah, and, I don't know. I, I analyze things. You sap the magic out of it if you analyze things. And yes, it, but it, then it's if, either happening or it's not happening. So yeah, but then like you can try to just let go and so, and just enjoy it. But yeah. sometimes you're just like, eh, I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, it's like when you see a pretty girl on the street, and sometimes it's like, yeah, she's hot, but I don't. There's no whatever yeah. on the street or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like, "Who are you? Oh my god!" <laughs> that sounds creepy, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't know why, and you don't know why exactly. I think it's that that X factor that like you just mm-hmm. don't know why that everything's you know everything's falling into place, and I think those moments are magical in the jam room or on stage. 
Yes. And I think that's what every musician is striving for is yeah. that, that moment. It could only last 10 seconds. Yeah. Where you hit a bridge or something climaxes and yeah. everyone does it with this. Everyone's on the same page, undeniably, mm. and it's bulletproof and yeah. it's undeniably good. And I think that's the moment that we all search for as, as musicians. Yeah. And as like artists as well. You, mm. The only thing you should ever try and put out is that you know you got to have a certain filter mm. to what you put out yeah. I find it interesting like the bands that I'm in take ages to put out stuff mm-hmm. um, and it's not because we're working meticulously on it it's just because when stuff comes out it feels like it's the right time um, I would like to be more proactive yeah. and productive and get things like rolling this, this year definitely um, but some bands just write an album, put it out, write an album, put it out, and they're so prolific. But maybe the prolificness is part of their vibe and the whole, like... I don't know, I like things kind of refined and mm-hmm. and the best they can be rather than, oh, that was trashy and kind of cool, but it doesn't end right, so yeah, but just put it out. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. a bit more aim- retentive. Right, okay, so yeah... You, but I'm willing to chill. <laughs> yeah. That's well. You you guys have been around for so long, and that's <laughs> no. That's a good thing, and I'm saying that from a positive angle. Yeah, yeah. This is maybe this pace is what has kept you guys together. You're not yeah. really burning yourself because a lot of bands just burn the fuck out mm. because they're they're trying to meet you know s- seasonally meet deadlines with releases, and they're just yeah. they put stuff out because they they're in the studio because they feel like they have to be. Maybe because labels are saying, let's do this and this. And obviously, yeah, because there's pressure from non-creative, you mm. know, um, structures, like within the band management, yeah. you know, um, or there might be a tour coming up. Like, uh. what do you have to, what are you promoting? You know, that's a yeah. big question. Like, it is you haven't put out something for X amount of years. And mm. you know, I think a lot of bands are worried about that. It's and really- not having anything new, but I don't, I don't, I think if people dig the band, then... That's true. Yeah. Um, though we have been way too... We've had a funny um, sort of, could you say career? I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, getting a taste of that whole... Like it was 2009, 2010. Getting a taste of the big time sort of Shigrami first album. Mm-hmm. Um, Fucking good album, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> and like it was really like... I'm quite proud of it but if i listen to it now i wouldn't wouldn't want to make that kind of stuff anymore mm-hmm. but at the time like when i look back at it it's like wow we were sort of obviously maybe up and coming and bigger and we never cracked it in any way like say tame impala shot off to the, mm-hmm. the stars or whatever which is all sweet um but uh, when I look back at it now, I didn't actually appreciate it at the time it was all happening. And I would get scared about opening emails because of um, just decisions that were like so important but not. And stressing about who was saying what and where. Yeah. Uh, yet, when that all sort of disappeared and there was a change in the lineup. And it's all cool now. Like I think the universe always does the right thing. If you mm. ask for something, it happens. Or yeah. if something needs to like pop out, it happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when our bass player went off to um, Ian went off to Birds of Tokyo, yeah. I'd like to say hi to him again one time. It'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was like a strange. It was like a breakup. It's like a girlfriend boyfriend breakup yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, when you get a taste of that sort of big time, not, yeah, the big time, I suppose, and then you don't have that, but you still carry on, it's a, I think you're wiser for it. So it makes I, you stronger, I think. Yeah, but yeah. you can. Ch- I can choose to sort of be like, oh, nah, 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 or no yeah. way. I'm, it's I'm very. It's so easy to become that guy and compare yourself to other bands exactly. that are sort of getting the reviews and the blogs mm. and the oh my god, look at that artwork. So, but I just stay in my own world. I actually don't pay to any any attention to anything that mm-hmm. is around me except for like the band guys and the studio that I'm in in the space. I just can't distract myself with. I don't care where music is. <laughs> there's yeah, too yeah, much. There's, yeah, yeah. there's gnarly, amazing techno that people are frothing over in, yeah. down in Berkheim, t- Berlin somewhere yeah, yeah. that we don't even know about, yeah. but it's vibing. And if, if I concern myself with that, I'll sort of start going, oh, well, why, why aren't I using Ableton and all these amazing kind yeah, yeah. of yeah. things? And <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of distractions out there that yeah. make you lose sight of the bigger picture and then you forget. Yeah. You forget what you're, you're here to do. Yes. I mean, that's kind of cheesy as well, but... But it's cliche slash cheesy because it's true. It's true, yeah. Mm. And you can get distracted and, you know, band politics, uh, reviewers, critics, whatever they choose to write about you, or, or I, just the feeling that the feeling that never goes away is like, is this my last... Is this, is this as good as it's going to get? Yeah. That's the feeling that fucks with me a lot. Yeah. And I think that... Initially, I, I thought that that was bad, but in a way, I think that's what... that You're kind of in denial, and that's what kind of keeps you going. Yeah. But in a good way. Like, I, I'm like, I'm, I don't want this to be my life. I want to keep pushing. Like, I don't... Yeah. This isn't the end yet, you know? And it's like changing your perspective on it. You could exactly, the attitude. Yeah. You can choose to like let it get you down, or yeah. you can choose to not. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it's it's the also the whole the the very macrocosm look at it. The universe, like yeah, if it's the end, you'll know, and it's okay. Oh you know, yeah, in to- a way, totally. It's it's okay. Like people move on. I've seen so many people move on, and this could be related to like all aspects of business. Life. Relationships Everything. and stuff. Relationships, but the band is a great thing, example mm. of people getting together to work for something and microcosm, macrocosm, mm. as above, so below. <laughs> <laughs> but it's even more beautiful because it's in that creative aspect. Yeah. Like, no one is getting paid that much money, if any, nah. to do this. So it, it makes it all the more beautiful when. Yeah, like, why would me and you sort of like drive X, Y, and Z, um, load, load out? kind of do all this stuff practice Mm -hmm. or be you know for nothing except for the joy of like communicating Mm. in a certain way that yeah like to actually like i'd rather be in a band that all the people are like have respect and are creatively awesome but they're friends um over and above dealing with some crazy singer lead singer's disease kind of thing that's actually huge and touring around the world kind mm. of thing I'd mm. rather be in a smaller band with my mates but then I wouldn't want to be like in a band like hobby stuff that mm. that's retarded yeah yeah that's yeah that's definitely hard <laughs> like you can't I think a lot of bands break up because people are simply they're at different st- 
stages of their their life actually the, the, the worst thing is when you hear i used to be in a band but i had to work and earn money and it's yeah. like i that freaks me out yeah and only freak <laughs> it only freaks me out freaks me i'll out never stop playing yeah and i'll never turn it into like a hobby but of recently over the last because i've been doing it what i'm 29 now mm-hmm. just i started picking up and bashing things at 15 um other things of other creative outlets have popped up as well like like film and 3d stuff and mm-hmm. so like i don't find music the be all and end all of um the thing that blows my balls mm. off in like new mm. realms of like creativity yeah not because I've heard it all before, but and I kind of feel a bit guilty that I, when I have free creative time, I'm sort of dicking around with 3D things and, and film uh, rather than music. And my ego tells me that I'm a, you know, well, people think of me as a musician. Oh my God, this is a retarded idea. But it's just like you sort of... No, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I feel guilty that I'm not spending all my creative juices into, like, writing mm. tunes and beats and stuff. Yeah. And it's going into other things. Um, but then I actually don't feel guilty. That's, yeah. like, two seconds of time. Well, well to me, it's, it's <laughs> like... Fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply different, different roads that you can take to try and get to the same thing and that is pure expression of Mm. yourself whether that's film whether that's designing stuff or 3d stuff or whether that's hitting the drums i think they're just different avenues of trying to get to the same pure form but let's admit that hitting the drums is better than anything Mm. when you're in the zone yeah because it's completely physical and it's kinetic can we, yeah. It's movement. It's and it's everything. instant and people can experience it right then and there where a painting on the wall can have the same effect but it's much more drawn out. Mm. I've never been blown away. I mean, I've been blown away by art and paintings of, that I've seen around the world yeah. in travels um, but never s- orgasmically ecstasy yeah. kind of whilst seeing, say, like when I saw Tool for the first time mm-hmm. and I didn't know that kind of thing existed mm-hmm. that was i guess you could say a spiritual type experience as as cheesy as that sounds <laughs> yes i am a tool fan but not i don't wear the shirts Same here. Yeah. i don't wear the shirts <laughs> <laughs> man tool tool fans uh a weird breed <laughs> there was a funny um uh, article and it had all these different bands and it said the kind of character you were and um Say like Radiohead was something like I'm I'm smart but always de- bummed out or something, <laughs> and um, ACDC was um, chicks are like you know fans of ACDC yeah. like chicks you're really hot guys you're ugly kind of thing and then the tool one was um you're either really smart or really dumb <laughs> and I was like yes that's <laughs> genius because oh man <laughs> tool tool fans are so funny they you're right they always wear the fucking shirts. <laughs> 
and they uh, <laughs> they they always are kind of fringy, maybe, but really kind of intellect like pseudo. I think they think they're a little bit better than everyone else. Yeah, as like well. they like, oh. like they're onto something that no one else fucking knows because about. Because it's like some like weird that. timing yeah. or something, <laughs> and they get really defensive about the band as well, like religiously defensive. Yeah. <laughs> And they like analyze things like the Fibonacci sequence in Lateralis or whatever. Oh my god! And, and I, just, I have been there before, just yeah, for yeah. investigation. But it's true. Maynard said it on the podcast. Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Yeah." Oh, when you when you came in here, of course, to Daryl Sunday's <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. When I talked to Maynard last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he talked to me about the uh, syllables in the lyrics and how and we're all... actually speaking ten years time. So, <laughs> right on, Daryl. If you keep on doing these podcasts, you're the guy. Well, uh, maybe. You That's are. another thing. I just don't want to think. Don't want to think about it. Actually, this is like a, an amazingly cool medium for like just rambling. Mm. That's and what a podcast is. Is about. <laughs> I mean, you're the guy. You're the guy. Like, who, who else? Does, like no one does it in this style. In um, P-town, no, let alone. There's probably no music podcast here in Perth either. Did so. you hear that, people? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hope. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm still yet to have that massive epiphany where I know where to go with it. But ah. I think now is like just the the budding seeds of what it oh, yeah. might be, and in the future. it's an honor to be on here <laughs> at this at no the start worries. of something. It's a pleasure, like pleasure having you. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but yes, tool fans are strange. <laughs> I used to um, in high school. Uh, that was one of the al- uh, Lateralis is one of the albums that really blew me away. Yeah, and um, I was fortunate enough to see them at the entertainment center. Yeah, same. That was the yeah. That that was a, where a lot of people first saw Tool, Tool was at the Entertainment Center. I think ninety eight or something like that. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. How sorry. old are you? I was in year ten. Wow. That's yeah. The, yeah. I was year eleven. Yeah. Ah. So we're, you're a year older than me. Um, but I was just blown away at how how deep and metaphysical you could go with music. Yeah. And visually, it was amazing with the projections. Obviously, it really was. And of course, I love Danny Carey. Yeah, I think I, he's I really my favorite, but I don't want to actually play like him. I don't want to play like him either. But um, I think it's just he really pushed ah. a really bizarre way of playing. Yeah, like just he, he was always in, interested in like metaphysics, you know, geometry, yeah. the occult, and stuff like that. But just the way he'd play without his snare on. Like it was all yeah. really clunky, and I tried to do that, but my sound guy kept on saying, <laughs> "Sounds like shit, mate." And I was like, "God, no, Cade, I'll say, yeah." But it's true; like, it really does um, raise the bar. And yeah. it's not just a drummer's drummer. It's, it's, it's simply amazing. But that was like the two thousand and one was a time when there was no smartphones, and they would search people for cameras at the front gates and mm-hmm. take your cameras off your. Because there was no, no photography, yeah. Amazing. Mm. I remember actually uh, Adisha or Andy from Snowman. Remember Snowman yeah, at yeah, all? Yeah. Because um, he was in a year or two above me, but he had a mini disc and a little uh, microphone. He was bootlegging the show. Yeah, he was bootlegging <laughs> it, but like like one of those, um, you know, Soundcard 16 creative oh, right. thing. Like, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. little computer mic back in the day. He's wearing a wire. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's uh, hilarious! I didn't know he was a he was a Tool fan as well. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah? I think 
and there was uh, Matt Bairstow would have been there. Yeah, from yeah. Ninja. I think it was one of those one of those shows. Yeah, it was yeah, really, yeah. really something. See, I like you guys because you 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 like uh, when I bring up Tool to most of my friends, they're like, oh, God, yeah, same. Really. But I, I don't huh. roll my eyes. I'm like, that is literally what got me. Yeah, inspired me more to just really push the drums and totally. Was seeing Tool live and and maybe um, as an artist, that's all you can ask for because. I mean, mm. the f- closest I've got to that on the other end would be like playing a. Jeez, sh- I think it was like ages ago. Um, like you know, universities have shows. Mm. Um, it was a bit of an awkward show, but like a dad and his kid came up afterwards, and the kid was like kind of blown away and wanted to start learning drums because he saw the show that mm-hmm. I played, and I was like honored. And I was like. Oh yeah, keep on playing that and like <laughs> just just do it. Yeah. I was kind of yeah stoked. <laughs> yeah, that someone could get pumped up about doing something creative themselves from what you do, creative yourself. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hmm, it's it's all the same thing in the end. I think. Yeah, yeah it is all the same thing. But apparently, Maynard likes. Um, he likes his Asian chicks. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into this chick at a bar, like, fucking ages ago. She was a friend of my ex-girlfriend at the time. And she was like, every time Maynard tours, he selects, like, oh. Asian chicks. And was she one of them? And she was one of them. Whoa. <laughs> and what did she do? Did she, she Well, she didn't divulge anything, but she was like, you know, like, they just kind of hang out. Like, he just kind of hangs out with them. I don't know yeah. to what extent she meant hanging out, but yeah. you know, apparently, I don't know. It's weird. Like everyone has, but definitely he had this rule where you couldn't take photos of him on stage. It's kind of arrogant. At the he same did it time. with a, a perfect circle, and I think Carnival was supposed to support a perfect oh, circle at was that, the Robinson Pavilion. Was Robinson Pavilion at Claremont Showgrounds? Yeah, yeah. It was no, like totally the, the I shed. S- I like saw that show. Did you see that show? A perfect circle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, the, they, when the gli- when the when the guy climbed the the rafter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they had like James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh Freeze from many different things. Shit, that was that was uh, ages ago, and Twiggy, the bass bass player from Twiggy Ramirez. Twiggy, yeah, Ramirez, yeah. That was a pretty cool lineup, but I, I don't know. Nothing beats Paz on the bass like, oh, it, from the first yes. album. <laughs> yes, Daryl, you're a classic, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that idea in ages. She Jeez. was fucking awesome. She made there was a very feminine element to the a Perfect Circle sound. Even I think, what would it feel like coming from like another? Like us, just say if we were in their shoes, and we like go over and play it in America, and there's like school kids being like, "Oh, Daryl's pretty like sick on the drums, but nothing beats like the chick that they, you know, like they're talking about on a podcast years later." Yeah, how, yeah. how random. That'd be fucking weird. If but I'd they would be glad that I'm, I'm being talked about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any as long as it's not really negative, like that guy's a cunt. Oh, but um, anyway, yeah, definitely Tool, one of my favorites. Like I was saying to, we had Jack and Alex from Bassin's Happy Flight a couple of days oh, yeah, ago. Cool. Um, I think Jack, yeah, Jack plays with May Saraswati as well, mm. um, and a whole bunch of jazz projects. But um, yeah, we were saying how oh, I totally forgot. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Maynard Tool. Um, uh. I can't remember. Something to do with the prog. Something to do with the prog. Yeah. 
I'm See, this is what happens when you smoke weed before a show. Oh, did you smoke? <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have noticed. No, no, I, I keep it together really well. But, I was um, thinking of actually, like, um, bringing a little tasty taste and see what happens. But, you know, you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need drugs, kids. Yeah, kids. <laughs> yeah. It does fuck with your short-term memory, though, because I had something really funny to say. I'm sure it'll come back in a little funny callback yeah, line. Yeah, definitely. Um... But yeah, no, it's good to see you still doing music. I think you're in it for the long haul. You can tell the people that are in it for the long haul. You know what I mean? And they, they, it's, it's a, it really is a marathon for them. You know, they're not riding some wave. You know, and it's good to ride waves, but they come and go. Trends in music come and go. There was a massive like electro thing happening, like in in like years ago, kind of. Yeah, the whole indie thing when like when it blew up and like yeah. now there's a whole shoegaze thing. There's a psychedelic thing. I do feel like bands these days are uh, bands these days. I you can't generalize bands like that. These days. <laughs> but a lot of Jesus, it seems quite because everything's. I'm just gonna put a theory out here, and you can people can agree or not, but maybe because. I'm speaking specifically of Perth, in a way, but life here is very easy. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the kind of music that is produced here is a bit soft, like easy listening. Or I don't know. Whenever I turn on Triple, no, let's say Australia, I don't really turn on Triple J or anything. But when I do hear of things, like remember when Queens of the Stone Age um, was like number one, and then it somehow turned into Josh and Julia Stone. And I'm not mm. saying like one's worse than the other, but there's a definite. We're on the more harder side of things. Like we yeah. like to, we like to hit it. Yeah. But there's a lot of softer stuff that mm. seems to, and I wonder if that's to do with the level of living and everything's yeah. quite easy. And uh. I think it's your environment is definitely going to have an effect on what music you put out. Yeah. And I think here, I mean, stuff's expensive, but you could live relatively comfortable. Yeah. Even if you're on the dole in Perth. Yeah, I mean, it's be not- all right. So, you're right, there, there does have that, there is that lack of desperation, and yeah. like, let's go fucking all the way with this. I think people are very afraid of how they'll look <laughs> yeah. within the community, like, they don't want to push it, they don't want to step on any fucking toes, and this is what I was taught as well when I went through um, music at TAFE. Mm-hmm. People were very conscious about, look, just don't talk bad about anyone. It's a small town, blah, blah, blah. Uh And I agree. But by that same token, if you have a vision, just go all out. Like, don't be afraid to maybe provoke people. Not provoke people, but, you know, musically be provocative, stand out, do something a bit wild. Well, it just seems that there's so many genres these days and everything's really fragmented slash been done before. So anything that becomes super massively cool and hip as a rehashing of something that's been done mm. already um so is there anything new in music is um, i'm not saying that there isn't and I'm yeah there is but i suppose it's rhetoric yeah it's is rhetorical yeah yeah mm. like where can we go mm. um and that's maybe why in a certain way writing and making music doesn't pump me up as much as it used to Mm -hmm. but the tying in of music 
as an addition to say like I would love to be able to like create a world where someone puts an Oculus Rift on <laughs> and then watches like a band playing three D and they can move their head around and, and yeah. different crazy shit happens. Yeah. Um but bass, drums and guitar in certain ways doesn't excite me as much. Yeah. But that's just me. Like it's not to say that it's not. Mm. But yeah. I don't think like that. Yeah. We're yeah. jumping all over the space here. I we, think we are I'm trying to make no, a but point, we, but then I don't know. <laughs> I do remember what. Yeah, I do. I do kind of agree that the the comfort level in Perth mm. kind of is. You can kind of hear that. You know, I mean, obviously there, there's all types of music here. There's great hip hop here. There is a high level of musicianship. There's, here, and I think say. Perth definitely. Like every time I tour interstate, I am. I get. More and more appreciative of the standard that people have here in Perth because it's, it's yeah. awesome. But I think you're right. We are very comfortable. Things are a luxury. And I think a lot of people just, you can get by just having a hobby band, like choosing. Yeah. But there's to nothing. Play in a band. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it was mm. any other way, you'd be complaining about the rest of this. I mean, but I'm just kind of comparing like life now compared to say maybe Britain in the mid 70s late 80s yeah. maybe or a bit earlier say when Joy Division stuff and the, the, that whole new wavy thingy it was mm-hmm. all I don't even know yeah <laughs> well it, it all, was total it, vibe then <laughs> yeah thing like sounds were really born in places yes and uh, I think maybe I think a lot of it is to do with the internet as well now. And technology. And technology. Uh, you can... A Ghana's laptop can write something that gets on radio. Is like, that Flume? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's one example. But a gr- great producer. Like, I'm not shitting on him. But you can... Technologically, we've come so far. Like, you could write something that gets on the radio and gets airplay and mm. is, gets really popular. Um yeah, it's almost nowadays. It's about what is your. There's no limit. It's the imagination of your own yeah mind um, thought process that is the limit. Yeah, yeah. You can really do anything if, and even if you don't have the experience, you can still approximate something mm. that no one could approximate ten years ago mm. with, like, yeah, the laptop and a few programs and a mm. few soft synths. Yeah, uh, you can travel and just make an album. Yeah, if you have the tenacity and drive. Yeah, which is awesome, but then it kind of scares me as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you, you read band biographies like you know Motley Crue and the crazy LA scene, mm. and you're like, those guys made it because they were so crazy that it was the only thing they could do. Yeah, and it was like they went at it full throttle they didn't fuck around I mean they they were all on drugs obviously but, yeah. <laughs> but you know they were completely no holds but like just, they just went for it in mm. such a way and of course obviously the population size the indus- industry size over there yeah. in America those um, fairy tales where bands get picked up yes can happen but here and I think especially technologically that shit really rarely happens now. You've actually yeah. got to make your own path. You've got to sell your own CDs. Yeah. And then, like, when music's at a really high level, like, you know, Tame Impala mm. is undeniably good, so mm. they deserve it. Um, yeah. But it is still once in a million. But it's still once in a million back then. 
I mean, I was watching a documentary on the 60s and 70s. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a very comprehensive doco on how music and culture tied in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, you know, the whole Woodstock thing. And to me, can you imagine Woodstock plus Facebook? Would mm. that work? Mm. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're Someone's right. definitely written better essays than my <laughs> stupid ramblings on these. But I suppose I'm just planning seeds yeah. here. Um, well, just, just I want to bring up a, a, an interesting question before we go for a break because I think Ooh. we've hit one hour. But um, I'm scared. <laughs> I always think if you were to get a famous artist from the past and just copy paste hologram <laughs> and just drop them into today today's time period would they still be successful slash as popular uh cool good question so like if we were to just drop a kurt cobain into today or a Jimi hendrix as they were in their purest form back then would they still be famous would they still reach that level of acclaim? And it's it's an interesting question. Wow, that that kind of that's like a the cat is dead in the box and the cat is alive in the box. That sort of both <laughs> realities would be true because yeah, on one yeah. hand, it's totally from one perspective, it would totally Kurt would be just as successful because it's Kurt and he has mm. th- he is him. Yeah, and no matter where he goes at whatever time, he could yeah. uh, bring a certain. Uh, Emotion to the mm-hmm. party that people connect with because it's timeless. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you could say that there would, even if Kurt was dropped in here, he might not have done, he wouldn't have done what he did because the environment would be different. Mm. Because yeah. there's a lot of factors. There's, there's too, many factors, too many factors, but I mean, yeah. if you could, I still think those artists would be successful, but it would be a different type mm. of. Um, I think it would generally be the same kind of emotion that they bring mm. and it would succeed in a different way yep. because they are still their soul mm. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. They would do that to that level which anyway. th- Which then kind of means a really big factor is the actual industry at that time as well. Yes. And how records are pushed... And how, you know, CDs and vinyl was the only medium. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it is that technological question. Would would Kurt survive in this day and age putting stuff out on digitally on mm. iTunes and stuff? So I think... That's I mean, like the weirdest question. I've mm. never had that. That's, that's awesome, Derek. <laughs> I, I always think of that when I listen to old music. Like, would these guys survive in this day and age? That... But obviously, you know, of course, they were the only people to do that type of, that style. Okay, so they were pioneering. when you say, like, if Kurt was dropped into, like, now and mm-hmm. then did Nirvana now, yeah. are you still talking about a reality and timeline that had mud, no hun- mud honey and yeah. all that? Or there was there's a no grunge? Yeah, and then that's, what, that's what a happened in that What happened in that grunge period mm. in your universe, Daryl? What, <laughs> what happened then if Kurt was now? I guess I am leaning more towards, Was yes. it still cock rock then? And then cock rock just lasted for 30 years instead of, like, yeah. 10? Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. I mean, you, you probably just poked a hole in, in that idea, which is good because it's like the, yeah, the environment, environmental factors will literally contribute right. to 
um, the level of, of success that you get. So, yeah, I, I don't and know. Success is a weird one too mm. because that is about... You know, I feel like success now is more of uh, your personal and spiritual growth mm-hmm. rather than a material growth. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's just... Because I haven't had like huge, huge material success, I'm comfortable and happily working for everything I deserve, yeah. and I'm good about it. But by no means is there twenty grand coming in every week because one of the songs is just being Sings. put on a BMW ad or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't buy much, but I can buy what I want when I want it. Mm. Not when I want it. But yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I don't even own a drum kit, for God's sake. <laughs> um, what was my point? Um, Who knows? Oh, I'm was, just trying to think. No, the, the idea of what, what success is, yeah. and like maybe in 2015, it's it's about like things are becoming more immaterial. Like as technology um, evolves and things go from you know the, the analogy of you know hard cassette tapes into bit waveforms downloaded mm. and mm. S- sound cloud iCloud thing yeah that it becomes individualized and the success is based upon your own growth rather yeah. than seeing other people accumulating mm. and wanting to be yeah. like because I, I remember the, a, a, a massive article that was shared around is that you know the, the, the amount of bands that can achieve platinum status now is is very it's very hard to get up to that oh, that okay. level but i think dave Brawl actually pointed out a flaw in that whole theory and it's like well yeah not a lot of people are paying for music but people are still streaming they're still listening mm-hmm. and they'll still go to your show if you tour the consum- consumption rate is the, still yeah consumption rate of the media is still very high it's just the fact that people now you know um access it differently Access it differently, and they're, they're, they're the the threshold in which they're they're okay with handing over money to hear something. That's kind of tough, and like people really. Yeah, well, it's an oversaturated market, and exactly. so there's not yeah. much. I mean, if everyone stopped, if half of the bands disappeared because mm. they decided to quit, then the half that remained would probably be double as successful. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. there's the whole exactly, but. Yeah, and but it, yeah, definitely. Um, um, like what you said, it's the amount of people paying versus the consumption rate. The consumption rate's actually increasing. Mm. People are getting more access to both information and music at a rate that we would have never fucking imagined. Yeah, but the fact that they're not handing over a dollar ninety nine for a track on iTunes yeah. doesn't mean they're not listening to you, and doesn't mean they haven't heard you somewhere else. So. That's I why know, it comes down to being a really good uh, live musician mm. and like making your shows sort of special, yeah, uh, and memorable because someone going out to a show, a venue, a space, some architectural yeah. kind mm-hmm. of like a building that's been, uh, you know, in the space and the place, and then if you you know dress the set or something, and that's yeah. what I always love to do is sort of maybe dress a set and make a vibe for people, mm. so when they come and see the show, make it a bit theatrical, make it something yeah. visually striking. Yeah, like you, you're not just paying to hear the songs; you're paying to watch a really yeah. cool show, and then you make it memorable for them. Um, I like the idea of 
you know how people have dime a dozen launches back mm. into Perth and stuff. You know, Rose Mountain and and and. <laughs> I would like to just find a space that is not supposed to be for bands. Get a PA in there, just do some sort of design yeah. work on it, and then have a show where people will like. I've never seen a band in that context. Mm. Like, I think. I wasn't in it, French Rockers at the time, but they did a show at the church on Angrove, Angrove Street, just down the road from the Rosie. But people said that was incredibly memorable. Yeah. I don't know what other bands there were. I can't remember. Maybe Ninja. Yeah. No, I'm not sure. But yeah, memorable. And yeah, definitely. Effort, yeah. effort. Time and space. <laughs> well, we'll come back and we'll talk about that because I think uh, oh. bands putting on like a, a show that is more than just music, yeah. I think is what's going to save a lot of... Yes. It's, it's something that you don't see every day is a yeah. band that takes into account visuals and stuff like that. And if you're yeah. going to do projections, just put some effort into it. Yeah. Don't just get... Just run something on Windows sm- Media Player. Yeah, yeah don't do <laughs> like Windows... Like a plug yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. We'll be back with uh, James Sure. Arigato. You're listening to... Mission Control. Ah, that was a good break. Did you enjoy that break? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so with... um. French Rockets. Mm. That's another band that you play... It is. ...for, but you're not on drums. No. Um, how is that, hopping on bass? It is w- good. Yeah? Yeah, it's, I really enjoy bass because, yeah, you get to kind of connect everyone together mm. somehow. Um, and, and with French Rockets, you can move around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Because we often do jam in one note for a long time. Yeah. Um, so the bass becomes more... About the percussive side of it as well. Yep, yep. I do like digging in. Yep, <laughs> yep. Just um, playing with the frequencies. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Meshing that in with with Roger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great drummer. <laughs> he is. Yeah, <he> <laughs> he's good. He's good. Yeah. So any no shows coming up soon besides nothing that you want to announce? No, I can't remember dates. I'm so bad with dates and shows. That's cool. But, but you're going to play the bakery. At some stage, right? I think so. Maybe before it closes. Before it closes but I think we're May. organizing our own show for that. Well, not ours, but putting a lineup together. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things coming up. And I think 2014 will be a lot more active. Um, 2015. 15. Yeah. That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Depends which calendar you're on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um <laughs> but we we were talking before we had a break about you know visuals and stuff and French Rockets is definitely a band that takes the the visual side yeah quite seriously as well as the the sonic audio side yeah, as well it's a nice fit for me as well mm. yeah so yeah so who does the I know Carl works a lot on visual stuff and obviously you do as well yeah um well with we did a live show I was like guys right we've got to set up if we want to do projections and, and all that mm-hmm. and you're not pulling in tons of lights with some old mates of yours and that and it's too tricky and we're doing projections and we should get all the songs and make sessions and, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of fun um, you know we cut up Predator with Schwarzenegger um, <laughs> cool, and cool. like looping him getting nailed and people <laughs> dying and choppers and choppers yeah and um, and uh, a lot of kind of not pop cultural just we all, we're all into like gnarly movies we all sort of Hollywood uh, stuff yeah I grew yeah. up on the old action kind of films mm-hmm. um, 
but it's really fun to cut up film for fun. Yeah. Really fun to cut up film for fun. <laughs> That's retarded. Well, it becomes <laughs> a whole other thing where you're like... Yeah. If uh, it's in time, it does work well. If it's synced up really well, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, uh, you know, for Stuck in a Moment, the live projection was a lot of Fifth Element stuff, mm. which is a great film. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mila Jovovich, man. What whoo. a babe. What a babe. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis is, is fucking cool as well in that video, in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That film was one of those perfect ones. It's awesome. I just love how the cigarettes, the, the filters are so massive. See, it's those details. <laughs> yeah. Those little things. Yeah, yeah that yeah. makes it believable mm. that it's in the future. And it was kind of camp as well, in a fashionable way. In a flamboyant, yeah, theatrical way. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had Jean-Paul Gaultier, someone designing, designing the costumes. The, yeah, yeah. That's why the costumes were so awesome. Pimping. They were so swag. Because the script is good. Yeah, it's a wag. Yeah, yeah, But yes, yeah. the visual element for French Rockets is um, uh, quite large because it's good to have, like, a wall of noise and... But it's hard to... Because projections are the easiest way for a band to get visuals mm-hmm. rather than LED back screens and, and all that. That's probably when you get larger. But it's... <clears throat> they can be used in a pretty regular way, like, oh, yeah. psychedelic Winamp screensaver kind of thing. Yeah. So it's nice to put in a bit of thought. But then again, it's like another thing on the bucket list of the things that you have to do in bands. Yeah. Oh, it's such hard work. <laughs> it becomes another thing to think about. As, yeah. yeah. But if it feels right and everyone's vibing, then it feels... It's good. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of venues now are, are having in-house projectors... Like, they're actually investing in, in the visual aspect of the venue as well. Yeah. I think Mojo's now has a in-house totally. projector. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. Uh, but definitely the, the way to set yourself aside is to actually craft a whole visual show yeah. as opposed to having something loop in the background Yes. for ages, you know. Um, and that's probably why backing tracks are actually pretty good because actually Jamie runs a... Like a DVD player with the backing track on it. Ah. Actually, I shouldn't give away that we have a backing track. But, um, <laughs> nah, um, it works. I, and I was always like, well, you've got the red, uh, so, yeah, the red and the white outputs. Let's do something with the yellow one. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can kind of cut up stuff. And I think we're going to redo a whole nother bunch of visuals for upcoming shows. But it's a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a band called Ratatat that came to Perth and these shipwrecks and French Rockets supported. I wasn't in French Rockets, but I saw the Ratatat show and they had just really cool visuals where birds were loop, imagery just looping on itself and it was quite different to what I've seen before. Mm. So that's... Yeah. Yeah. If you have... I've always been interested in like VJs and stuff like that, how they... Their their whole art form is is the visual aspect, yeah. and they actually trigger stuff on on MIDI and stuff like they actually mm. all the effects are saturated live. You know, mm. they they play with the how to transition certain scenes into other scenes and stuff like that. So it's like you're watching another yes. another performance by the the VJ well, as well the, as the band. Yeah, that's the mm. synesthetic aspect of synesthesia, it yeah, yeah. synesthesia where you, you visu- <laughs> visualise uh, although I think synesthesia is more colours yeah but then like but, visions um, could come as well mm, yeah 
Um, yep. But from, it's, from God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's... Yeah. yeah, that's why everything's quite exciting these days. Because you really can DIY... I mean, you can download an editing program and learn yeah. a bit about film and mm-hmm. then rip stuff off YouTube and then mess it up enough and then make your own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say it's going to win an Oscar, which you don't want anyway, but, like, yeah, everyone can sort of, if they're interested in something, you like, how many times have you run into a problem and then you just Google it and the answer's there? Yeah. And you just carry on. <laughs> or or you, if you're like me, you, you learn everything from just google questions yeah <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> yeah like is this rash normal like stuff like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots of work to be done in 2015 yeah that's cool um and i think visuals is is, is something that i love seeing when bands explore that element mm. because i think uh for me the most moving song like i know if a song is good is is if i'm bombarded with imagery while i'm hearing the band then i'm like yeah this is good because it's working on a whole other level than just audio yeah it's actually provoking images in your in your head yeah um of of what that sound would be interpreted Mm. as visually and i think a lot of the syncing up and the the timing Mm. that really accentuates the the musical changes as well if you can yeah transition all these visuals i wonder what it'll be like augmented reality where you put on you give i mean i went to a show was it was it a ninja show or maybe french rocket show but anyway steve did like you gave everyone the blue and red glasses and had the vdmx going Oh, and so wow. things were like popping out a bit. Wow, that was cool. But cool. imagine like an augmented reality one where there's some sort of central brain, <laughs> and then everything you know the band's playing and it's all natural and organic and blah blah blah. But things start appearing and yeah, around like the space that they're in, the venue that they're in starts transforming. Um, I think you may be onto something. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you wouldn't want to have everyone in the audience with Oculus Rifts on or anything. <laughs> but could, yeah, if you could, Im- <laughs> twenty dollars entry and fifty dollars for the headset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Gee, that's really something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because then you could really mess with people's minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because then, like, oh, that's really, really because. It could be a, a digital performance on a whole other level with, with the yeah. headset on. Yeah. Or it could just be an organic performance if you don't have one and it's still yeah. a good gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd imagine that the space you're in and everyone's got the, you know, the glasses on, um, the band's playing and there's the light show, but then the light show's synced up with uh, the visuals mm-hmm. in, in the gu- glasses and maybe the rafters of the roof and the walls start spiking out and pulsing to the beat, so mm. it feels like you're on that certain acidy trails, shroomy visual, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which would be incredible. And maybe somehow, if there was a way that you could have a little dial and you ramp it up yourself, or you people control it and it's interactive as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be amazing. And like, then it's all in Second Life and people are watching. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, um, but, but there are ways to do that. There are ways to do that. And I would like, 
have a different skin over each member of the band, oh, like yeah. for temporary parts of the song. Oh yeah, the that, band like, members could start fucking like up. changing color, like changing hues, and like mm. like reskinning them as different, you know, yeah. models or even something like bits that. of them could sort of grow and start because it would be all motion tracked because they would have yeah. little things on them, uh, which would and. You know, require a lot of RAM. <laughs> <laughs> Man, not, that, that's not outside the realm of possibility, yeah. especially within 50 years. Because, like, I've like just that. got this, um, like, the way the French Rockets clip was done, I got this thing called a structure sensor, which is um, a infrared slash camera piece of hardware mm-hmm. for, like, 500 bucks that attaches onto my iPad, and there's different apps that... Like, I literally hold the iPad up to someone's face and press go and just walk around them and it scans their whole face with, like, 50,000 kind of polygons and they're in 3D. And I did that with the Sugarami guys today and me to make a, another clip um, for an upcoming release. But, like, it's that kind of technology that's popping out and it's, um, you know, 500 bucks is not much. F- well, I don't see 500 bucks as much when it's like that kind of thing yeah because the opportunities for capturing the world around you and bring it into the computer and then messing around with it Mm -hmm. i mean i don't want to do uh video clips anymore but i'm i'm just on a roll buzz roll here at the moment um and i'm being purist about it (laughs) but i'm I'm, at the moment i'm like in this headspace it's like no more crews no more lighting no more locations no more cameras yeah i'm just gonna do it all on the computer in the 3D worlds and sort of animate slash bit crush slash mess things up and mm. put in your lighting and then yeah um, because um, it can also capture spaces and rooms with right. another 3D camera that I have so I'm kind of getting into that world but I'm starting to like feel this new way and people have used 3D before in, in they have numerous yeah. clips yeah, yeah but yeah. I, s- I feel like I I've, I've got a feeling that if I keep on pushing what I'm doing, I might start forming an own mm. kind of style. I and and pe- people have to go to you to get that specific 3D style. So. No, it's it's like a yeah an art form within itself, just like a, any director or producer. Yeah, or it's engineer. So, it's just so exciting to like do it all in like the digital world. Mm. Because I mean, music's made that way, so why shouldn't film be made that way as well? That's an interesting point. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've heard <laughs> <about> that before. <laughs> Yeah, everyone wants to uh, get cameras out and massive crews and yeah. go on location and film stuff. And Yeah, but and I'd love to do something like, you know, you scan and capture in 3D the venue that the band is playing at mm-hmm. and on the day and then loop that into the projector and then, uh, I don't know, somehow the venue's in digital reality at the same time as the band's playing and then people experience yeah. the space in a new way. So it becomes all-encompassing, and mm-hmm. the band and their egos and the personalities aren't as important as they were. I mean, I think what's important is people's experience yeah. and the connection made, the human connection made through playing songs, of mm-hmm. course. But if the whole world can be changed around you as well, That's then it's a true escape. <laughs> <laughs> Augmented gigs, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure people are doing it, and I'm just slightly behind because I'm in Perth. I haven't seen it before anywhere. I don't think so. I, I 
the most I've seen is like Skrillex live. And what did he do? Um, he had a whole pile of cameras on his DJ decks mm. or whatever, and they were facing him. Mm. And it would just get the the mesh of how he was moving, yeah, like the skeleton of how he, his motion. But it would project behind him a massive three D uh, mesh of like an alien or a robot. But, yeah, but cool, following. Cool. So he was like the puppeteer for the motion behind him. That kind of thing. Was it cool? Like even though Skrillex, it looked uh, it looked amazing. Yeah. just off YouTube, like awesome. um, he like he would be moving, but behind him is a giant robot alien yeah. moving along with him because he he cool. was controlling the movement mm. of that, and it was it was awesome, absolutely awesome. That's kind mm. of like, it's almost like the. M- music that is created hits a certain level um and then people around it and there's a vibe and then people come out of the woodwork that are super clever at like doing that kind of stuff to add to the whole Mm -hmm. act of this character of Skrillex like Mm. I'm not saying I like it or I dislike it but it is at a certain level above any type of local act and so (laughs) people gravitate like other artists from other media start collaborating mm. um yes. and you get really better and better results yeah um and that's that, that's super cool. that's that's really cool and that and that's something that I would love to utilize you know in all the projects that I play is that it doesn't just have to be musical you could get people talking in terms of film mm. or whatever other and you it can be all encompassing for all those mediums have a cool look have a cool live show yeah have cool video clips and visuals yeah doesn't have to be just the music just the one thing true just the audio and um I think like Kanye does a really good video for that black skinhead song yeah that's great where he's like basically a 3D character Mm. and it's all like you said bit crushed and Things are pixelated and fucking up at the same time. Gotta watch time. that again, actually. Yeah. And yeah, and things are just distorting and stuff like that. And that that's really cool because it it makes all of the members otherworldly. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it makes you seem more yeah. than a human kind of thing. Totally. Like uh, oh, they're they're this projection. Like they're a projection of something greater. Yeah. And they're just in human form now. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That sort of idea. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where the imagination like takes off and there's almost no limits yeah. to what's possible. Mm. Yeah. Because a digital persona, like where you're just some weird thing. <laughs> in an avatar. <laughs> an avatar of yeah. yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it has all your, your characteristics and mannerisms, mm. but it's something else, you know? That's interesting. You've got to give that to people these days, I think. Um, Just sort of introduce them to new ways of looking at things. And the way I'd imagine that you'd have to... One would have to do that as the artist or creative would be to go deep inside your own kind of head and then ask questions like, how do I get that... Okay, so I want to be the mesh monster yeah projected as I move like you know I want that idea and then you start asking questions as a creative how do I do it yeah and then you google it (laughs) 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 but like if you don't as your awareness expands um creatively 
you know that you don't know more if you know what I mean yeah um, and so you can ask certain questions like how can I do that and the answer always appears whether it takes longer or mm. less but I definitely am finding at the moment that my mind is like opening up to many different possibilities yeah same here in yeah. the 3D film world mm. and then hopefully that the music will do the same and I don't even know what form except yeah. the funny thing is as great as this all is people still watch it at 340 pixelation or 340p on YouTube yeah. on their little iPhone on the bus or something yeah. so the method of consumption is still relatively low yeah. um, except it's hard to it's hard to standardise the way people view yeah. the product like 3D TVs are coming out and stuff now mm. right um, that's fucking free. That's cr- I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. Well, the whole f- the ho- the whole four K thing. How like people are recording and outrageous yeah. frame rates and resolutions. Yeah, yet they still consume it at seven twenty p. If it's a fast internet connection, of yeah. Birth, if you're near an exchange, or if you're like me <laughs> and, you, and you watch The Hobbit, you just get a fucking headache because you're like. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm 3D? supposed to. I don't know. Something about the frame rate was like at sixty or something. Oh yeah, for like one of the new Hobbit movies. So like ten minutes in, and I was like, I actually literally have a headache because yeah. I don't think I'm. Su- I don't think humans were supposed to watch <laughs> such a high frame rate. Yeah. It looks more real than real. It doesn't even look real. Is that in the cinema? And it was three D. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in cool. the cinema. And, and you it, had the glasses on? Uh no, I didn't have the glasses. Okay, on, yeah. But I'm, I'm not sure. It wasn't 3D. It was just filmed yeah. at a really high frame rate. And uh, I'm not sure how much, how many frames the human eye can, can see before it does, can't tell it the explodes. difference anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I walk into Harvey Norman and, like, I'm just amazed at how high def things are now. I wonder how good that kind of stuff is for you. I, I don't know. I can't I watch can't, TV I anymore. can't imagine it to be very good. Because yeah. I literally feel nauseous after watching Avatar with 3D glasses. I'm yeah. Like, this, I don't know if we're supposed to be watching this. <laughs> Wait, what was the storyline again? I like the 3D plants. I know. Glowing. And it's just like oh, movies like, you know, Transformers and all that stuff, how you're, mm. you're bombarded with the visual stimuli to the point where you're exhausted. Yeah. You're like, I, can't, I don't even know what this is about, but I just see these machines battling each other. And you're like, and I can't. Like it's, it's all hyper real. It's like real but not real. And yeah, you, like, you don't know what's real. Anymore. Then you look at like the hand drawn cartoon of the original Transformers movie, mm. and I haven't seen that in ages. But that's incredible. Mm. Or something like Akira, um, that manga classic Japanese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Akira know what year. Was that like late? I think it's nineteen eighty eight. It was done late. Uh, yeah, about near Tokyo and. Cowboy Bebop was another one. That was good. Yeah, I've seen a bit of that. I mean, I'm not a, like a manga no, anime fan. Neither. I, I like it. I like it when it's good. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of the whole genre is massive in Japan. There's like a yeah. hundred thousand different yeah um, kind yeah. of template incarnations of the yeah. same sci-fi totally. robot type thing. But yeah, Cowboy Bebop definitely stood out for me. And anything by um, Studio Ghibli, uh, yes, I really like. Yes. But I, I don't like the the straight up just robots fighting each other. Stuff. No, yeah. no. When there's like a really good script behind it, but yeah. like it's something like Akira, the perfection at which it was 
hand drawn mm. like yeah. and then they actually use manual sort of analog techniques to get lighting mm. but to it's not actually lighting it's just an it tricks you into thinking that it's lighting yeah it's just so good way ahead of its time yeah way ahead of its time yeah well i heard that the whole reason that the whole entertainment industry really exponentially grew in japan was after the the bomb was was dropped on them, ah, after something. hiroshima yeah and that was like kind of the only way to get people's morale and enthusiasm of back course. was to pour their heart and soul into film and an animation yeah in order to almost take them away from the the reality that you know uh generations of people fucking died there that's so hectic. and the you know, not not just the generation where the bomb was dropped, but generations after that mm. that suffered from the the fallout. effect, the chemical effects yeah. of of the fallout and stuff, and that well, fil- like the, yeah, the film was like one of the avenues that they really um, totally expanded. I think added to that was this their specific taste and style in cute little characters and and and, um had definitely something to do with the bombs being dropped Mm. um yeah really interesting yeah totally interesting yeah yeah and and they i mean for for most animation like people will look at animation and go oh that's for kids but i never did that with anime or or manga the they were on par with dramas oh like they yeah. they they would be as moving as any film mm. uh the fact that it was animated didn't even you know it's become a problem like it didn't even the story was still there the script was still there mm. um graveyard of fireflies is one of my favorites i haven't seen that one yet i heard it's really depressing very emotionally just <laughs> basically get ready to uh have a lump in your throat for the whole oh, fucking yeah. shit. <laughs> and you haven't watched it now. <laughs> but it, it, it explores the aftermath of the bomb mm. and how there were so many orphaned char- like children mm. after the bomb was dropped and they slowly just died out, like hundreds of thousands of kids, slow, like just through poverty. Like it wasn't through the bomb dropping, it was, it was after that. Yeah. Like when they were poor, they couldn't get jobs totally. and stuff like that. Um, is that that's, that's a Ghibli one, isn't that's it? That's a Ghibli one, yeah. yeah. And that w- that hands down is like one of the films that I can watch, you know, half a dozen times and okay. still be as moved. Like as the, the once first a year time. kind of thing. When you yeah, like a once a year, you yeah. revisit that and just go fuck. Mm. The way they portrayed, you know, just two starving kids on a it's very bittersweet because there's that playfulness of them being kids. Like, oh, let's go and try and make a couple of coins and yeah. then there's that harsh reality of the fact that they're impoverished and like <laughs> the whole the whole system was screwed and and they yeah they were basically orphans no parents and trying to live day to day yeah it's great it's very great um but very confronting <laughs> yeah it's like not something you you have to prepare before you watch it because some of the stuff is quite 
quite violent, quite brutal. And, and yet it's mm. hand-drawn. And, and it's, it's all amazing hand-drawn. how that, all that emotion come through. And uh, the voice acting was great. Yeah. You know, they had real kids. As, oh, did they? Did you, you watch know. it with, like, subtitles? Um, and, yeah. And, like, Japanese actors? R- yeah. R- rather I, I than like American overdone? No, no, no. I, I like hearing the real yeah. language and then reading... Uh, reading the the yeah. subtitles, you, you just it just feels more real, you know. Yeah. You're hearing it in the the real language that it was intended to to be to be heard in. But um, yeah, they used like real kids, and it sounded great. And so. it was like um, yeah, something I would never be into Dragon Ball Z or any of that shit, you know. No, no. But when I watch that, like. Kind of year eleven and twelve, yeah, hands down, made me pour my eyes <laughs> out. All the other, a lot of the other Ghibli stuff, yeah, Totoro. Um, yeah, I get yeah. a bit of a lump in the throat for Totoro as well, but yeah, 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 but it's a nice lump. <laughs> but that's yeah, that, that's you can kind of get away with that because it's more fantasy. Yeah. But there's there's no fantasy in Grave of Fireflies. It's just like military and poverty. Like there's no fantasy there at all. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but um, definitely, uh, um, Spirited Away was great. Yeah, Princess Mononoke was great. Ah, uh, yeah, all those ones. There was actually a Ghibli kind of marathon festival thing uh, at Luna not oh, long cool. ago, and that was really cool. I went to the Ghibli Museum in Japan. Oh, cool! Not just gone, but the time I went before. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's really cool. Although it was a bit sort of like commercial. There was yeah. some great sort of art installations and things to see <laughs> but the movies are better yeah yeah I think <laughs> well it's just that it's that whole fascination with doing things the old way the traditional way mm. like whether it's recording to tape <laughs> or yeah. like manually drawing scene by scene I think there's something really romantic about seeing things done in the old fashioned way yeah, because then if you do it in the old-fashioned way and you stick it out and you complete it, it mm. means the intention and the idea was actually um, good and had a solid foundation enough for the time spent on it. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is why we're still in bands after all this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, so much stuff, everything is done on the computer nowadays. Yeah. Whether it's talking to people or animating or making music or film. Everyone has has access to to mm. to do that. It's weird. Yeah. Are we are we going to be so saturated with you know uh, access to things that we? I guess I don't know. I think uh, innovation will always take. Yeah, the cream always goes to the top. Yeah, right? it, regardless of what happens, you know, it has to be good. But it's know. funny, like um, CDs, kind of happen uh, after all the previous mediums um, laser discs <laughs> laser discs yeah, you remember the laser disc kind of <laughs> but i remember the mini discs and that was yeah, really yeah, yeah. good when we started doing band stuff because it was the one thing that could record like that was cut small yeah, yeah. But that didn't take off with people consuming it and listening to it and stuff yeah but then cds did and so recently i heard of um you know you can go on it's called drop cards or something um and there's a site that you upload an album to um and they print out 100 200 500 equivalent of cds but they're all business cards with a code on it 
and then you go to the website and you enter the code. So the idea is that you ship out business cards to people rather than CDs or vinyls, mm-hmm. and they just download it, yeah. and it integrates into all their sort of iTunes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's an interesting medium. Again, it's kind of reducing the CD, the vinyl, yeah. the, to like a business card, and then you have to ship it. Yeah. It's good in some aspects, and I was quite blown away by the idea because I hadn't heard of it, about it before. Yeah, and we'll probably do that to an extent. But then, when you think about it as a band, like, oh, I've got you know an EP or an album. Uh, do we print hundred CDs and what for? And mm. do when you when someone buys a CD off, that's you, a tough question. Because if, if someone gives me a CD, or if I buy it, it'll probably sit on my desk for like. Mm. A week or two, yeah. and then I might have to open the CD drive and upload it. Yeah. And then, That's a good question because a lot of bands still, for whatever reason, fall into that trap of, oh, I guess we have to. I've seen bands just do it literally because they feel they need to. Well, they don't know anything else. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we're going to print two, three hundred CDs, mm. and uh, we're going to. and. It's sad, and I'm not being cynical, but they end up on tables, and they end up yeah. in drawers, and even no one broken jewel cases. Mm. I I quite like. What did the Flaming Lips do? They had a friend at the Gummy Bear factory, and then they put flash drives in yeah, Gummy Bear yeah. skulls, and you had to eat your way through to the album. That well, sounds s- like something they would do. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And I thought that was a really cool yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Just getting people to do something. Or just like, you know, with, with Radiohead, you know, download and if pay what you want. That's a, yeah, that was That's cool. a good idea. Or um, like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, like leaving around flashcards. Um, not flashcards. Flashcards. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. um, like USB drives of, of. Where did he leave it though? Everywhere, like venues and like okay. just weird places. In case people... Yeah. That's great. I'm, I saw that people... There was this idea of the offline peer-to-peer file-sharing network mm-hmm. in New York City, and so people would dig out a bit of a bit of mortar from a uh, building on the street and then put some... What are the, what are the concrete paste home mm-hmm. kind of filler yeah. stuff and then stick a flash drive in there and then... It would be solid and stuck in there, and then with a little text file explaining the project. But you could go up to the wall and put your computer on the wall and share files. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's a nice offline idea. It's quite creative. It uses the urban fabric. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but yeah. Really cool. Imagine sharing an album like that. <laughs> that that that's awesome. And you have to go to that that location to to get it if you want it, yeah. and it's free. And if you want to go there and just literally grab the da- the the data and chuck it on the phone, or a, it's all there. Totally. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really cool idea. So before we wrap it up, um, let's go really deep for a moment. Oh, <laughs> seeing as we're talking about technology and all that stuff, has anyone gotten this far in the listening? <laughs> I sure have. <laughs> um, how? Obviously, we're heading towards a technological future. Singularity. That's undeniable. Right. Where Where do you think... I don't want to think of things ultimately in terms of bad or good, but do you think... Moves the skull on the table. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's a light... Like, do you think all this change towards a technological future? Do you think that's... 
going to be detrimental in the future, or do you think that's a, a positive thing, or do you think it's a force that we simply can't stop? That we like are the just... grey goo idea. Yeah, like uh, like like regardless of what happens, humans are destined to create technology and we won't stop till we kill each like basically kill each other oh no i'm not that pessimistic i i think that although we have a lot of spiritual uh development and technology is way far ahead of Mm -hmm. where we are inside ourselves um i do think that we will be forced to catch up no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and when we do catch up, and a lot of people have, have caught up anyway by using technology in creative ways to make things better for people. Um, I, I'm optimistic about it all. I don't mm-hmm. think we're all going to have the nanobots tear across the crops and kill us all. Yeah. But it's a possibility. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, I I think we'll catch up yeah. spiritually because we'll be for like the people who don't will be forced to, and the people who do will be okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that idea of the sort of different realities splitting off. Yeah, because I know my reality um, is filled with technology and it's a very happy reality, mm-hmm. and everyone is quite peaceful and that. <laughs> yeah, 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 but who knows? Yeah, who knows? I, I mean, I've, I've le- how long are we going to live? Like, we're, we've got another 50 to 60 years in us. Like, what happens when you can upload someone into... A hard uh, drive. A, yeah, a hard drive. You because can save, save their person. We can save you yeah. onto a hard drive, and then maybe a couple of hundred years, when we do have the technology, we'll re-upload you into a drone bot or something. Yeah, and will it be me or will it just be a copy of me? Yeah, yeah. The permutation of the blah, blah, blah. It's What's all it? that existential. Yeah. I love that stuff. The um, the sort of waking up in the dream, but it's not the dream. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was... Oh, we actually missed the whole... I did ayahuasca a few... You did ayahuasca? Months, yeah, a few months Fuck. ago. Man, we've been talking about music for an hour. We I could have been talking about ayahuasca. I could, yeah, I could have gone on a huge... <laughs> Maybe next podcast. I mean, um, no, definitely. I, I'd love to do a whole like episode on just psychedelics. And but there was a point in the trip where sort of time and space did. Did you do it in Peru? Like in, in no, that no, was um, a local kind of one. Just here. some guy in an alleyway. Yeah, he <laughs> was like signaling, signaling me over. Listen, mate, I got some sick ayahuasca. I don't think it happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real trip. I don't think it happens anymore. Um, in Perth. I'm fascinated by people that. That have gone that deep, I really am. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't go again anytime soon. Okay. But at the time, the invitation cropped up. It felt right at my point in life because I'd done like a lot of reading and research about it before. Um, and then when it popped up a few times, I didn't think it was right. And then mm-hmm. when it did, it did. But wow. Just quickly, for people that don't know, ayahuasca is the traditional traditional brew, psychedelic brew, which is like uh, basically DMT, but it's synthesized through like the root of a plant. Yes. And it's very traditional in kind of uh, South America, mm. that sort of thing, yes. uh, the mines in Peru and stuff like that. And 
basically they they see it as a, a medicine to cleanse it or is. to purge your soul of i guess uh any impurities metaphysically <laughs> speaking i guess and yeah. uh, a lot of people claim to have ex- very positive experiences from it because it's a sort of healing process for the for mm. the mind it's not a lightly taken thing no. it's done with ritual and yeah. um not fasting but a lot of conscious mm-hmm. sort of awareness of the magnitude of the ritual and the mm-hmm. taking of it it's not anything party it's it's, it's not really a drug any it's holy shit it's yeah it's um <laughs> uh, it's definitely not a, a drug to be recreationalized no. As in, you're not going to take it at a party anyway. like it acid. Can, it's it, going to be something that's going to hit you hard. And often they leave you in a room with other people doing it. Yeah, that's what I had. So that so uh, you can kind of have a communal mm. experience. A lot of people throw up because it's yeah. that intense. Uh, but they the, the shamans actually see it as a, a purging it of is. the soul in, in a way. Um, but some people have some... Equally as beautiful, but also horrific. Well, yeah, I went um, through the visuals. Yeah, I went through the complete, or well, if I could be so arrogant to say, but you know, almost seeing the logos or or God, and then also on the flip side, after that, so after going completely up, like the sine wave goes up to the the peak and back down all the way to the. I think I'm dying and everything yeah. darkening and then popping out the other side in sort of another dimension yet reality and um it was very eye-opening and sort of life-changing but once again these things don't change your life you still change your life yeah like you can okay. yeah like there's a bit of a misconception with doing these types of shamanistic medicines and mm. and oh my god i'm like i'm opening up to it but then they go people go back to like i did you go back to email the next two days afterwards yeah um you feel cleansed but i guess the work is done in regular life where you try yeah. and be a better person or do all the things that you said you would at yeah. the time but at least the, the 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 medicine opens you up to it's very exposing yeah yeah and once once things are exposed and maybe the light has shined on something you Mm -hmm. can then decide to make a change and a lot of people that were kind of atheists or kind of not spiritually inclined were forced to maybe contemplate the idea that maybe we don't know everything maybe this isn't they, they, it kind of blows that hole open in their mind. That yeah, everything is literally perception. Just question. Just yeah, ask. questions and questions. And, and how many times in school have you been like, "Don't question it. This is just the curriculum." Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but wow, like what an amazing experience! And it, um, it did actually like whilst having some clarity, whilst I was in the zone of it after going through the many different phases, I and I was seeing many fractals in front of my eyes. Like I've never tripped that hard, mm-hmm. like acid or ecstasy or anything I've done before is like one hundredth of that, that this was an alternate reality, mm-hmm. um, Zelda game kind of thing. <laughs> but I did sort of go, this is so beautiful. Like 
when I did sort of make it out of the hut or whatever and looked at the stars and saw everything joining in these fractal patterns, I did kind of go, if, like, I asked, please let me somehow capture some of this and express it in this, creatively, in Mm -hmm. this 3D slow sluggish reality and, like, the whole 3D thing and the clips and all that is makes me feel good about yeah, the fact yeah. that maybe I might be getting something akin to the yep. tri- the trip. Yep. Because, I mean, you do it with a light. There's a lava lamp here, right? That's <laughs> something like it. There's a $10 appro- lava lamp from yeah, things here. But yeah. it's an approximation of a trip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, the closer yeah, we yeah. can get and then like hence the augmented reality and the artists doing their thing and everyone collaborating, we can make something that's like really... Mm. And it's not escapism, it's just... I don't think it is. I think it's innovation and I think it's... Because uh, if it's inspirational and it gets everyone else to do their creative exactly. thing... Exactly. Re- if, if it fundamentally resonates with other people, yeah, then that's, that's innovation. And, yes. and, and now with technology, we're, we're kind of forced to think of new ways to do that. But... No, you're right. I mean, the people that are, that I've talked to that have done DMT or ayahuasca or or any psychedelic, um, they claim that you know the the trip that they're in is equally as tangible and as real as this reality. Yeah, you're like, how come this? I haven't seen this before. It seems. Yeah, yeah. It exactly. is. It is there. And you know it. You feel like it is there. Exactly, and it is because the mind is every, the mind is the universe, literally. So yeah. if your mind is altered, your reality is real. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's induced by mushrooms or pot or again uh, changing your perspective. Yeah, of. it's simply skewing the perspective to I- into another angle in which you can experience the the universe. Yeah. and so it's not. I don't. I hate people that dismiss stuff because oh, you were high, therefore it has it ha- it carries no weight. Yeah. But to me, like it's, it's just like a dream that you might have that inspires you to do. So- Look, if you can take from that mm. from that trip or dream or whatever something that inspires you and and propels you forward. Yeah. Then I think that's equally as real. Totally. As anything. I, and I, I don't think people should dismiss a trip as just, oh, you were high. Totally. I think if you come out with, with something positive, I think it's yeah. totally worth doing and totally as legitimate as any other experience. Yeah, I, I definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm. But I am def- I do believe in sort of like thoughts um, and when you imagine things, it does actually exist. It's just in like a higher frequency FM radio yeah. station compared to our sluggish one and for exactly. it to become a reality here it it's it's a big test to sort of create and it's hard work on this plane mm-hmm. it's not hard work in the imagination but I do think if you can think of it it exists somewhere mm. you yeah. couldn't fly to it but yeah. if yeah and going back to your initial question of is technology good or bad that's it's almost the question is almost irrelevant because it's based on your individual perspective and if we all sort of choose to get creative and and do things with inspiration uh then we can choose the answer to the question mm. you know it's, it's still where we make john connor <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, you're right, and and I think the the ancient mystics were always fascinated with the astral realm, the dream realm, mm. or the imaginative realm, where it seems like you can pull an idea or a concept out of a a totally a higher place, and then you're like like you said, which I think is really true you're pulling it down to this level and you're making it real and tangible for mm. this frequency it has to solidify somehow yeah. in this exactly it yeah. has to uh crystallize in yeah. this like reality a, to build a building you've got to draw stuff mm. and you got to imagine it first and mm. then you draw it on the paper and then the then paper real. then people look at the paper and build it yeah, <laughs> exactly like, and it becomes real like a like a like a riff or a lyric that you yes. pull from the imagination or something yeah. lucid or something astral or a dream and then you pull it down to this reality yeah. into a way that people can consume it and hopefully yes have the same experience as you and that's but that. to get to the it to be to be inspired and to pull it down um, well, pulling it down takes like willpower and determination mm, and commitment and attention yeah. and commitment. Yeah. But to like receive the download, you almost have to have faith in the fact that you will get a download and you will mm. be successful. And and that you're in terms of skills, you're competent enough to translate. Yeah, something from that higher realm into something tangible here as well. You've and that's when your left and right brain balance pretty nicely because yeah, yeah. The, the technical thing is going off on the on the right uh, left brain, mm-hmm. and the right brain is I don't know about the hemisphere thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm not convinced, but like when <laughs> you're working in balance, there's a really nice balance between in, um, kind of illogical inspiration. Um, and actually manifesting it with the skill sets of the mm. real world. And that's really exciting to kind of see. Um, it's funny because uh, I talked to Drew in the pre- previous podcast about his, Drew from Carnival, his mm. experience with DMT. And we went on this exact same similar path <laughs> where we first initially were talking about tripping and stuff, but then it bled into, well, how can we utilize that? Mm. Um, into our skills that we feel we belong in, which is music. And then I, I was saying how um, whether you're a listener of music or you're a creator, one they both have to exist, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you have, if, if you consider yourself a conduit for information from the higher realm, and then you bring it down, like we were saying, mm. into this realm, into something tangible. There still has to be a listener, eventually. An observer. An observer. That affects the... That affects that by then... By being affected by it. They've affected it, right? So you're moved by a song or a lyric or a band. And then you utilize that, that inspiration, in another aspect of your life. Unconsciously. Unconsciously, yeah. yeah. It doesn't even have to be like a, a clear, logical decision. Totally. So both people are equally as important... Whether you're creating content or just consuming it, mm. whether you're a consumer or a creator, like both are necessary in the conversation. Yeah, you know. And I wouldn't think it's selfish to just, as an um, artist, just create for yourself. Although it sounds selfish, because yeah. if you just create for yourself and you try and get your buzz on, then by electromagnetism, maybe you yeah. get other people's buzzes on. Yeah. 
Uh, so and it's, it's idealistic to be like, man, I just create and I don't want anyone to hear it. And I'm like, well, you kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you want to share the love? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just what no one knows what the fuck is happening. Basically, that's the that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the bottom line. That's a beautiful thing, and though. that's great. The only thing that is certain is uncertainty. Ooh. Exactly, and I think <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, if we knew everything, if we knew how this universe is created, we wouldn't be here. We'd th- just be we high fiving each other. We would like, not innovate at all. We'd probably just be like, "Oh, well, that's fuck." If that's the reality of our reality, I guess a lot of people would lose faith in yeah. just the structure and, and their own ideas. I was thinking how funny it would be if there was like a film script done where it's just a mon- continuous montage of someone just winning and successful. You know, like the part in Scarface when they're like nailing the business and the money and they're like mm. upgrading their lifestyles. If there was a whole movie of just like win, 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 win with no conflict and if that would leave people just going, yeah, oh my God, or... What the hell was that dog <laughs> shit? Because yeah. there has to be conflict for yeah um, progress, I guess. They or ha- does there? Because, I don't know, we're but on a dualistic planet here, so... <laughs> oh, shit. But even when you get down to science and metaphysics and quantum physics and stuff, there has to be some form of chaos in order for something some anomaly to be born out of that that changes everything that revolutionizes everything yes and then innovation keeps going and it never fucking stops like Terence McKenna's novelty theory that Mm. novelty as novelty increases you know Mm. um that's sort of how we have oh jeez he's a a trip have you heard much of Terence Terence McKenna yeah he was a a a psychonaut as people call it (laughs) Uh, he he was Terence McKenna was very popular for his thoughts on LSD very interesting very interesting voice yeah yeah yeah. Um, and it's so funny that some people are just like when they hear that content they just what that is retarded Mm. personally I'm so interested in Mm. that stuff I I, yeah I I I I love Terrence and it was a a shame that he died of I don't know what it was a a brain brain, tumor probably thought too much Maybe he, yeah, he wound he, himself up way he too hard and exploded. went down the <laughs> went down the rabbit hole so deep that he Hero- came back. Heroic dose, <laughs> heroic dose. Yeah. Yes, uh, I love I love his bit about eating eating marijuana, <gasps> and he's like, just <laughs> don't forget to breathe. He's <laughs> like, you better hold because when you eat weed, when you eat marijuana, obviously it's way more psychoactive than when you smoke yeah. it. So, um. But I loved his his ideas of creating culture. He 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 had a very good spiel about that. But also, that like, culture is not your friend. Mm. Yeah, that's oh my god, that's so deep. That's so deep. It, it's like we're, we're don't Ooh. just consume. Like you have e- yeah. you have equal you have equally the same amount of skill to put out content as you do uh, consuming it. So you can create yeah. culture. You can create. A movement you can create a community you can create yeah. discussion you can create conversation you can totally. create all the time like even me talking to you yeah. i think this is a fucking beautiful thing totally like and and, and it, like it should oh. be happening more and it, it, and like it conversations happen. where people don't judge each other for what they say totally. and people just explore and let go a little bit yeah. Not too much, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, you know, there there are limits. But you know, uh, just explore and and everyone has a valid 
opinion on something, you yes. know. And that's something we, we've forgotten how to listen in this day and age, I think. It's true. Where a lot of people are splurting out ideas. It's, it's the generation of the self where it's like, this is what I think on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. This is what I... And you're just constantly... Like that PewDiePie guy that just plays video games and comments. <laughs> and then South Park does this really amazing kind of plot line where it includes Cartman. Yeah, yeah. Sort of being the commentator and the commentator. And exactly, it just, just yeah. trips itself out in this gnarly metaphysical knot. And they keep on nailing it at South Park. Oh, they do. It's, it's hilarious. It's like people have become so apathetic. That they need a commentator on the comments. They comment on stuff, but they don't take part in it. No. Like no one's taking part in shit. They just want to sit back and go, I read this about this and But they could be the cardboard cutout people that don't actually exist and we're the people with real souls and Oh, oh you can get shit. into the organic portal stuff, man. I've gotten <laughs> deep on that. Have you gotten deep on that stuff? No, no. What uh, is it? Just quickly, uh, yeah. Oh uh, I think the idea that um and it relates to psychopathy, um, but there's a certain amount of the population with an actual soul and they have real emotion and then there's a certain amount of the population that emulate and uh, uh, sort of the matrix, like, did you see the girl in the red dress? Mm. Oh, she was a program. Yeah. And there are a bunch of people like that. It's a nice idea. I don't know if it's... I think it, it, it would could be step true on too many people's toes oh, like, yeah. just I by mean, dismissing them. I just think it's probably about... Oh, you, could, you could look at them as, like... People that haven't been unlocked yet. Yeah. Like, there's potential there. Yes. But you haven't tapped into that yet. But you're yeah. no better than anyone else. You just haven't unlocked It's almost that. like they don't realize that they're at the um, big footy game and they're eating a hot dog and they... But how arrogant are we to assume that we're any higher than it's them? Very arrogant. Yeah, 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 but it's, uh, yeah. I just have read about that and I find it quite interesting. It's interesting to like yeah. entertain these pretty far out ideas. Mm. That's actually what I really enjoy is entertaining pr- far out ideas, and then almost they get tested in reality mm-hmm. with my reality and uh, see what happens. It's like you kind of got to just be open to things. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have an opinion on it, as like Drew said before. Yeah, it's, yeah. You've got to like not. Yeah. Learn to like well, you don't have to believe every concept. No. Like, I'll I'll get in trouble for this all the time. Yeah. Where I'll just, like, say a concept, like, objectively, just passively. Just, and, but people think I think that. Okay, yeah. Like, oh, so you think the whole world's like a hologram? Like, no, no, no. I'm just entertaining the theory. Yeah. That there's infinite possibility in this world. Totally. And, like, the, it, to, to say that doesn't exist or that is not possible. Yeah. Is stupid. Like, to say that... Like, there's no... Yeah. Yeah, there's no way that could exist. And like, that could be... How, how, how... Could... Show a mobile phone to someone 200 years ago. Yeah. Like, they'll fucking... No they'll basis. kill you, because you'd be a fucking witch or something, right? Yeah. So, like, to say that in the future this or that couldn't exist, or augmented gigs or whatever... Yeah. Or just virtual spaces where, you know, it's all simulated. Like, who knows? Who knows if we've been here before? Who knows or if like we're in something now? The karma and all that type yeah. of thing. But yeah, I just, I just, I, I do think that there are certain like levels to sort of existence, and the higher up you go on, like it's not saying that um, one's better than the other, but as as you go higher and your consciousness gets larger and larger, you can see things for the truth of it more, and so I do believe that. At a, this is this is like an incredibly incredibly high level, but all the bad stuff and all the gnarly bad wars 
it's it's not bad or good inherently. Mm. Even the I'm gonna get kicked in the ass for this, but at the high one of the highest levels of existence, like I'd imagine God looking down and seeing rape happening on the planet. Uh, at, in some small localized event, we wouldn't see it as good or bad because he's pers- not him, but the perspective on that level is so large that that small thing is a part of like a l- bigger thing, mm. and it doesn't have to be judged as to be positive yeah. or negative. But from our perspective, it's fucking terrible. It is, fucking of course, terrible. it is. But I, I also think even deeper <laughs> to go even deeper. That, oh yeah, that We're that that there. localized event of of rape which is a, a gruesome thing yes on a macrocosmic scale that could relate to another issue that on a higher plane is is happening whether it's ah, yeah. magnetic you know polarization of this or, or something on a grant like a so it's almost like uh, in a sick way this some chaos has to exist yeah and that you can't avoid chaos. You can't avoid anomalies. And that's not to say you wouldn't be incredibly sympathetic and help as much as no, you can to someone who... Absolutely not. Um, but no. you can... Th- we have the freedom to entertain possibilities like that. Mm. And I'm sure if, if if I was a victim of that, my perspective would change. Mm. But Yeah. But, you know, this is what we're allowed to do. And on... Yeah. On Freedom Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah. that was epic. I hope we don't end on the rape stuff. Yeah. But oh no, it's not about that. Let's let's think of let's think of a positive way to spin this. Um, puppies. So uh, to finish, <laughs> uh, everything's a simulation, and you've been trapped in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And none of this is real. No, but um, exploring ideas is is great. Yes. And I think um, it's very easy to get caught up in political correctness and stuff, which I agree. There's there's some things that you have to be very sensitive about. Obviously. Yes. But it shouldn't stifle... Or be repressed. Or, yeah, it shouldn't... Things shouldn't be dismissed. And I know it's very hard, because obviously there are a lot of oppressed people throughout society. And it's yes. very touchy when you when you bring certain things up. But yeah. I think the conversation is necessary. And, and I think it, it, we, we it's so easy to cut someone out because, oh, they said this... They said this word and they, they, they have that yeah. stance on things and fuck that guy, right? It's so easy to say yeah. that. But, you know, we're all trying to figure shit out in our yeah. own weird way. But maybe to, like, get over any political incorrection is to actually just stop and listen. Mm. And listening's, like, yeah, not really done it's as much. Empathize. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. Like, pe- people want to spurt shit out, but they're not willing to listen, yeah. you know, when, when push comes to shove, when someone they encounter has a different opposing view, yes. and they feel really threatened by it. Yeah. And then they're like, nah, fuck that guy, man. He doesn't he yeah. doesn't believe in this, or he used that word, or whatever. Like, yeah. I think it, it's it really can stifle progress because we don't talk about it we just call people names like you're a this or you're a that yeah you know what i mean like you're a left you're a right you know like it's just so There's, easy to yeah. put people in those categories and all the said stuff before like we're just entertaining ideas doesn't yeah. mean as you said like if you say a concept doesn't mean you believe in it it just means that you're entertaining a possibility you're contemplating all of the v- millions of different combinations and <laughs> concepts of things that yeah yeah and you, it's like a 
like Louis C.K. says, you're like a blind dick in space, and you're trying to hit a fucking <laughs> vagina. You just like, oh, I'll try genius. that one. Nah, that just doesn't work. Let's try that one. Try yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, genius. And it's like, yeah, I think we, we need the freedom to do that. But anyway. That was epically, yeah. wonderfully, convolutedly deep. <laughs> yeah, it was. But it's good to get like this. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think people don't do it often enough. And I think yeah. people are... I think that first and foremost, people are very afraid of what people will think yes. of, of them if they were to express themselves. But um, I think eventually people will come full circle and they'll... Totally. And, and uh, yeah. Um, something like a podcast such as this being a platform hmm. for conversations yeah. is part of the whole mesh it's great and it, for me it's like I've said this a million times on the podcast but it's it's, it's a form of therapy for me like so jamming if, like every like jamming yeah. or, or whatever or busting a nut or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but like if you know if, if five people listen to this um, it's not about that for me it's about having exactly. cool conversations with people that are on the same page definitely and if they're not on the same page like we can still talk yeah it doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> like you don't necessarily have to be i've had i've had non-musicians on before like i've had people you know, oh my god how do you relate to them <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it yeah it just happens to be the people that i resonate with the most and that yes. i i feel uh, they should have a better platform to, to really speak their mind so and you're doing it daryl <laughs> you're doing it one episode at a time. At a time. Um, cool. So, anything you got? You want to plug that's coming oh. up, or do you know <laughs> what? The, it's the the real people that are in it for the long haul. Just go nah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, go, I'm going nah. But I'm like, I'm just looking forward to 2015 mm. and doing a lot more things and connecting and talking with yeah. a lot more people. And Australia Day tomorrow. Oh, public holiday. Do you know, I feel like one last little point. Yeah. And it's not political. I just feel like when there's an... Culturally, there's an event on and everyone's mindset is that there's a holiday tomorrow or there's a festival. Do you notice the temperature goes up? Yeah. Do you notice, like, I've noticed a big day out, for example, or some public holiday where there's a large celebration. Scorching, huh? Um, New Year's or Christmas yeah. or something. Uh, regular, 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 regular. 42... And mm. and I feel like people's consciousness does affect the weather, mm. but that's another tangent. Oh, <laughs> but yes, Australia Day. I wouldn't be surprised if, if as a mass collective, if uh, yeah. if if, uh, if if you're people. gravitating towards a certain emotion, and people you affect the probably weather. Probably affect totally somehow. Yeah. Somehow. So I should gravitate towards some money or something, right? <laughs> thinking about money all the time <laughs> well if you can do what you want to do when you want to do it then you have abundance don't you yeah exactly and you can but it would be nice to quickly fly to Paris and London and just yeah but then it wouldn't be because I don't want to go just now I want to well Dave Chappelle says money is just choices yeah. that's all it is it's just choices you can eat a fancier meal you can fly to a place you can uh, grab yes. a car to a place you can have a hotel somewhere I'm poor but I've had the most fancy meals on the Planet. Exactly. It's 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 not the three Michelin star. Maybe maybe the <laughs> half Michelin star. But you know you can enjoy complete quality and luxury. Yeah. Without being rolling in it. Exactly. If you appreciate. Yeah. It. And if you surround, this is the most important thing, which is what I'll probably end on. But if you surround yourself with people that are cool, 
that don't judge you. Yes. Unless you're like, I don't know, murdering prostitutes or something. <laughs> then you should be judged. But, you know, for the most part, if you just find like-minded people and... Um, that just hear, just that just listen to you. You know, yes. I think people that listen are they're they're diamonds. You know, they're they're, totally. they're people that you've got to hang on to that where you can just talk and you learn to invest you. your time in the right people. Um, and exactly, there's like a a true relationship. Like I found that now that I'm 29 compared to 22, 23 years old, there's mm-hmm. no toxic people in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, touch wood. Yeah, but I've definitely learned uh, as we get older to only surround yourself with people that you want to. Mm. Yeah, because you have a refined sort of taste, and it's not to say you're hard to get to like or it's yeah. hard for you to give love, but time time is important, and you, yeah, you give people a lot of time that you know chase their tails, they bring you down, they hit you with negative comments here and there, yeah. and you're like, you, you don't need, you learn, you learn to cut. You have to out. go through yeah. that though to you pop do. that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't have to go through it if you knew about it. Mm. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> Life. Life. Life in the universe. Hey, thanks so much for coming down and chatting to me. No, oh, this is, I've never done a podcast before, but this has been. You've like done epic. very well. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you've done very well. I, I, I think the people, the quietest people on those radio interviews are the people that have the most to say. Oh. I reckon. Because <laughs> uh, I, I bet you've been in a radio situation numerous times and you've just uh, gone, I, I can't I, be fucked. I'm just a drummer. <laughs> I'm not too smart. I can't I'm even be fucked, like, interjecting because it's just like, we've got, what, like 30 seconds yeah. left? Fuck it. No one yeah. needs to hear what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. We're drummers, anyway. Daryl. What can we do? We're drummers. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for, for coming down. Um, and hopefully we'll have you back again. If, if not with uh, someone else from yeah. the band. We'll, I'm looking to get like a couple of podcasts together in the future where we have a, a very small party. Oh, like yes. four or five, six people. And we get a big round table together. And we just six is a good number. We just talk, but um, can we um, do dinner as well? Bring a plate. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, but have people uh, from multiple bands, mm-hmm. and we just cross pollinate and talk. You've got to get Roger because <laughs> Roger's amazing. Roger get from Drew. Uh, French Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Drew definitely. Uh, I'd an love all, to have star cast. On. Sorry, all star cast. Yeah, yeah, but make it like kind of once a month, once every two yeah. months. Have a big roundtable. Of a cross between even promoters and band people and whatever, and yep. you just shoot the shit for like two hours. Totally, that'll be fun. Is this portable? Because we can go to a different space and have a bigger. This space. is totally portable. I took this to the bakery once and cool. did, a, did a live show. We there. can go to our excellent, awesome Joy Warehouse with lots of other artists that hang out there. Really? Um, and where we rehearse and have a round table there. This is as usual the longest goodbye. But I just want to. Uh, uh, Carl <laughs> Carl posted a photo of French Rockets uh, exporting some video. Yes. And that was in a really cool, like, it looked like a yeah, land cafe. <laughs> yeah. It looked like a, a place where people play Counter-Strike or something. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's my office. But there's this, yeah, wonderful um, place um, that we should all gather. We should all gather. Because you mean, might like to get out of the room. This is a beautiful room. Yeah. But, you know. This is good for now. But if we want to expand, I think, um, man, I think more people should be doing 
podcast like just just jumping in the deep end daryl your eyes are starry eyed with this glow of the screen (laughs) but i'd love to yeah definitely love to uh, get a whole crew together and and just do the same thing that we do but obviously with more people from different angles different backgrounds different bands and uh see what happens but um but thanks so much for coming awesome wow two hours 20 Two hours, maybe Do just over two hours. Do you edit? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't edit it, no. Oh, good. I just, uh, I might compress it here and there, but I, I definitely, <laughs> I used to edit the fuck out of them, but I don't anymore. But anyway, people are probably getting bored because I've been babbling on. But thanks so much. Thank you, Dale. James Shear. Thank you, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, come back soon. Yeah. I will. He will. Much love. <laughs>